Hey guys, Andres Gamboa here, creator and co-host of the Ponytails podcast. Nick Tavari was with me today as we talked to Alex Soto, who had a really great career, eight summer book trek, as well as we dove into a little bit of uh, his condition. He has alopecia, if you're not familiar with this, it's an autoimmune disease that causes your hair to fall out. And so he talked to us through his experience on how to deal with that hardship and how he's looking at life in such a great perspective in such a way that gives him a lot of confidence in a way that really helps him feel grounded. One of the things I noticed about Alex in this episode is just his ability to maintain himself well. He's a very genuine human being and I was really, really thankful that he came onto the show. So I hope you enjoy this one. Again, if you have not, please subscribe to YouTube. That's where we're going to be starting our live episodes from now on. So make sure you go on there, make sure you subscribe, make sure you leave us a comment, give us a like if you want. Also, you can listen to us on Apple Music, Spotify, anywhere you listen to podcasts. Uh, make sure you like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram as well for updates on episodes that are coming up next and uh, different things that are coming up that are exciting in the podcast. But now, without further ado, Alex Soto. Let me let you guys doing this live. <laughs> All right. Yeah, there we go. We're live on you. So welcome, YouTube. welcome. Yeah. Ponytails podcast episode 51 with Alex Soto, uh, a recent book grad, if you will. This man just finished his eighth summer selling door to door, um, slinging the books all over that turf there in Indiana. Um, so, dude, congrats on finishing up uh, what I know to be a very impressive Southwestern career. Um, it, it took a minute, right? But uh you um, sold for eight summers. Uh, you originally went to UF and then transferred over to UCF. And uh, yeah, um, I, I'm so excited to have you on, man. I've known you since uh, after your second summer when we spent uh, some time together there in Cancun. Yeah. Sizzler was great. But also, I think I met you in Jacksonville. It's, it's just been a pleasure to know you for the past like six, seven years, man. Um, so yeah, uh, yeah. welcome. Yeah, a little, little, uh, it was funny because I was one of those people that uh, after <clears throat> my first summer selling, I wasn't like, I don't know, I wasn't like balls deep into like the the network of Southwestern. I was just like, I know I still like my friends from high school. I'm hanging out with them. Um, and now uh, after my second summer Sizzler, that was my first Sizzler, my second summer uh, when I met Tricky Nick Taverti, that, I, that was like my first my first exposure, like, oh, people outside of my high school friends are kind of cool. <laughs> Thanks, man. Yeah. Yeah, dude. Well, uh, yeah, it's been it's been cool to hear your story because, uh, you know, Al uh, Andres and I are currently in Gainesville and you actually when uh, he just got into town, but you drove through not too long ago and we got to catch up and um, man, it's just it feels like we just picked right up from, you know, hadn't seen you in what felt like a few years at least. Yeah. Um, it was really cool just to, to hang out and hear about your story because this year, man, um, after seven years, kind of a, around 2,500 units, a summer with 3,000, you jumped right up this past summer to 8,000 units for people who care. You are your units, right? <laughs> right. But uh, yeah, it was really cool to hear your story and, um, you know, kind of hear the progression of um, your career. So let's uh, kind of hop right into it. Um, as we always start each episode, we always ask, who was Alex Soto as a young 19, 20 year old hanging out with some high school friends at UF's campus as a, as a freshman or a sophomore? Um, what was it like for you to get recruited to sell books? Um, 
getting recruited to sell books. So yeah, it was, it was, uh, 2014. I was, um, I was a freshman aerospace engineering major student at, uh, UF in Gainesville. And, uh, much like many people, you know, I also filled out that little freaking questionnaire, you know, um, John Stewart was actually the one who gave that announcement. And, uh, I remember him saying it was $8,000 and blah, blah, blah. But I don't know. I remember my roommate friend next to me was like really jacked up about it. So he filled it out. So I was like, yeah, I'll fill it out. Fill it out. Um, and yeah, it was, it was kind of funny actually, because, um, my roommate and high school friend, his name, yeah, his name's TJ. He, um, ended up getting the call first, right before me. So he got a call. He went to an informational meeting, did not bring me, did not tell me he was going. And he comes back, um, and shoot, he is just like, he's like livid. He's like, yeah. So like, I went to that, 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 that thing. Remember when we filled out those, those questionnaires and it was like $8,000. I was like, yeah. He's like, yeah. So I went and, um, yeah, it was, it was really weird. You know, I went into this, this, this office though, because back then we recruited like right off of campus and we had this little office building and uh, he was like, yeah, I went to this office. It was like me and like two other guys. And, uh, yeah, all these people were talking about for like an hour was they just want us to work really hard. And I was like, all right, what are we working hard at? And they're like, I don't, you just got to work hard. No matter how hard you want to work, you got to work harder. And it was like, it was stupid. And then, uh, and then out of nowhere, like, you know, halfway into it, they take out like these books and there's like this one book, it just says math on it. Like, what does that even mean, Alex? And I'm like, yeah, dude, that sounds dumb. <laughs> like, yeah. So, so he's like, yeah, it was the stupidest thing. Um, and then that was it. Forgot about it. <clears throat> And I actually, uh, a week later, I got a call from uh, a woman, woman. Um, it was probably in retrospect, like Amy Pagosi or Gwendy Lamoth or someone. But I remember when she was trying to commit me to go, I had already known like what it was. So I didn't want to go. I didn't want to hear about it. And fortunately for me, I was like going out of town the next day. So I specifically remember being a flaky flake, like being like, oh, you know, I got, I got a lot going on. Uh, and uh <laughs> so anyway she she didn't commit me and whew, you know that was it so fast forward um a week or two no it was probably honestly like a month um i was really like involved my freshman year if there was like a general body meeting i was at it i just was trying to find my purpose so desperately so I was like let me just get involved in anything and uh, i was in the freshman leadership engineering group and I got a Facebook message from a guy named Michael Chen. And uh, he's like, hey, Alex. I'm like, all right, well, what does this guy want? Because he never reaches out to me ever, you know? So I'm like, hey, what's up? And um, he was just like, hey, what, you know, what are your plans for the summer? And I tell him like oh, a part-time job, um, summer classes, like the usual stuff. And he goes, well, okay, did I tell you what I did last summer? And I was like, no, you did not. And he's like, well, I, you know, I interned with this company called Southwestern Advantage. And I remember like, there was a lot more to the message, but as soon as he said Southwestern Advantage in the message, like my like stomach sank and I was like, ah, oh, shit. Like, ah, oh, man, what is this guy? And, uh, and he's just like, yeah, I've been offered the opportunity to come back as a student leader. And, you know, I wanted to invite you to this informational meeting. And, um, and I specifically remember my, uh, my response Cause I actually do look at my response time to time because on is on Facebook. So I just scroll away up. I'm like, yeah, here's where it started because my response was, um, Hey Michael, you know, I really appreciate you thinking of me. I've actually already done extensive research, extensive research 
which is my freaking roommate coming in and telling me that you sell books called <laughs> math on it. But uh, I, like, I've already done extensive research. I do not feel like the Southwestern Advantage opportunity is a best fit for me. Um, so, you know, I, 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 you know, I appreciate it, but I don't think it's for me. Dot, dot, dot. And then my, the next paragraph down was, although I do trust that you found it to be a valuable experience. So I, you know, more than happy to, you know, catch up with you one-on-one just to talk about it. Yeah. Perhaps instead of an infection. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So he's like, I love that. And, and so, um, basically after the next general body meeting we're at, um, I, um, shoot. Yeah. The next general body meeting for that organization we're in. He kind of talks to me a little bit about it, but for him, he was a B, you know, so he, he didn't really know the, the stuff and uh, he didn't have the moves, but he got me to go to an informational meeting. And, um, and yeah, I, I went to an info session, um, did not want to sell books every step of the way, every step of the way. I didn't want to do that thing. Huh. Yeah. Um, I don't know, man. I, I was very much one foot in one foot out the entire process of my selection it was uh it was a weird kind of snowball it was like yeah you know um uh all right i'm just talking to michael chen i don't have to go to an informational session okay i'm just going to this informational session that doesn't mean i have to apply all right i'm applying it doesn't mean i have to like interview like it was just constantly like i'm just doing this i don't have to do the next thing you know um but dude man i remember um <laughs> I remember like during my interview process, I was looking for every freaking reason, like not to do it. Um, and, and, you know, I had the same objection every engineer has like, Oh, I'm going to do something in my major. Yeah. And, um, and I remember calling my girlfriend at the time and she was a uh, long, like we're long distance and uh, she went to school in Virginia and like the summer was going to be our time together type of thing. And I was just like, hey, you know, it's going to be all summer long. If you don't want me to do it, just say so. And she was like, no, that sounds great. I was like, shit, dude. <laughs> <laughs> That's not what I wanted to are hear. Are you sure? Yeah, like, are you sure I will stay here <laughs> if you tell me to stay here? Um, so, and it, it, was, it was funny, too, though, because, like, I don't know. I remember getting to the point in the interview process where, like, I, I had to tell my mom, like, what I was possibly going to do. And like, I was calling her and it was like, just told her like, Hey, this is what it is. It's, you know, I think it's, I, I remember saying this, I think it's door to door, you know, um, I think it's door to door. And I remember she said something that I still remember to this day. She was like, all right, well, you know, just know, um, you know, they, they say you get three customers for every 30 families and Hey, just understand that's three for every 30. It's not one for 10. You know, it's not one for 10, it's three for 30. So those three might come those lot. And me being the freaking bonehead that I am, I'm like, mom, what do you know about sales? You're a freaking realtor. <laughs> I know, I know, I'm an idiot. So <laughs> I know, I know. I, was just, nothing, I know nothing about anything, right? And, uh, but I, I think her like trying to coach me or whatever, I was just like, no, I'm gonna do it. I'm like, oh, I'm um so yeah and then um yeah and then i eventually uh went out for my my first summer and uh yeah the rest is, is history i guess as they say so when when was it that you first got approached like the very very first time what part of the year was it was it in the fall was it in the spring it was in the spring it was in the spring it, so this happened it, within like four months of like in and outs and 
yeah, so so my uh, I think I got that call getting invited um, initially in like I want to say beginning of February, and then I actually wasn't selected until um, like March twenty eighth or thirtieth or something like that. Yeah, so that was, that, uh, you and you went up to because I one of the things that Nick brought up that I I want to get to at some point is like the 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 growth that you had, especially most recently. But like, what was that experience like for you? Like that first, that first experience? Cause, cause we're, we, you know, we all remember the first store. We remember that first for all of the things, your first customer, like walk us through like your experience through that summer. And, I'm and curious like, about sales school too. And, and like yeah. the first sales school, like what was that like <laughs> in your, from your perspective? Yeah, dude. Um, so my, my, my first, and just so you know, like, just so you have a, a frame of reference for it as far as like, you know, production goes and everything. First summer was 800 units, second summer, and they, I basically spent my next six years in a 2,500 unit purgatory, right? And then- and, and for people who are listening who don't know what units are or how much units are worth today, that's, you could take that times, in today's dollars, that's seven times the units, right? So we're talking about like about $14,000 when you say 2,500, is that, is that accurate? Yeah, yeah, about more or less, 14 to 16, I think, yeah. And then, uh, yeah. So in my, so my first summer I did well below average and then I did well above average my second summer, but then I just stayed there basically. Um, and then I, and then I grew a lot my, my last summer, but, um, my, my first summer though, I remember, um, being at sales school and sales school was as, as hesitant as I was, um, throughout the interview process, sales school is where I was like in, you know, yeah. and, um, yeah, I was just freaking in and, and I knew I wanted to come back at sales school, but I, I wasn't one of those first years that was like announcing at the fireside chat, like, Oh, I'm going to be here for four years. You know? Um, I was quiet about it, but the, the, uh, I think one thing that I noticed is growing up, especially in high school, I had almost like negative school spirit. Like, you know, it was like, those kids are just too freaking cool. Like, you know, pep rally and, um, at the pep rally, they're just kind of sitting there chilling with their friends, laughing at how dumb everyone's being like, that was, that was me, you know? And, and so it was just funny. Cause I spent the entire spring being told like, Oh, sales school is awesome. It's like a pep rally and a boot camp, And I'm like, that sounds terrible. I don't want to be a part of that, you know? Um, but I was at sales school and I was seeing like Dan talk and I would like seeing the cool card skit. I tried my best to like buy into everything. And, and, uh, it was the first time I felt like what I imagined school spirit would feel like. Mm. Does, does that like make sense? Yeah, of course. You know, and, and yeah. right. Feel school. <laughs> right. And like, even like little things like freaking learning about how, oh, like every time something bad happens, say some three good things that came out of that or, you know, three positives, like even something as basic as that, like I had never been trained in positive psychology and positive self-talk and like just something like that was like mind-blowing and i remember like thinking at sales school like man chris back home needs to hear about this kind of thing you know so so yeah um now my um yeah so that, that was that was sales school and i would say like as far as first years go like shoot i don't know i i was <laughs> clearly having the, the production I had, there was definitely off schedule behavior. I'm not going to like, you know, yeah. I'm not going to deny that, but I think it was more of like an innocent kind of off schedule. Like I didn't go to a, I didn't go to a concert in Nebraska, you know, 
Um, Who was that? That was Danny. Danny. That was Danny. Danny. Danny See, and I was so mad when he told that story because <laughs> I was actually a manager in his in his orgas first summer, and so and so it's just funny because like because I remember like we you know we're all taking stack calls and stuff right and. It's like, I'm just thinking of every time I take a stack call and someone zeroes out and I'm like, oh, you just got to believe like that happens sometimes. But like, who the hell am I to know? Like they're not going to a freaking concert in Nebraska when they zero, you know? In his defense, it was J. Cole. Mm. Yeah. Mac Miller, you can't beat it, you know? (laughs) So anyway, um, yeah, it was nothing crazy like that. You know, it was like, it was like stopping early um, every now and again um you know if i got like 23 demos i said i got 29 if i got 29 i said i got 30. um so there's definitely like gaps in my integrity there and um i think that but like and by an innocent kind of off schedule uh this is i this is like a a pretty good example um i remember you know like 12 30 is like our lunch like let's it's when you have lunch right so yeah, so like my first summer, you know, in my head, like, all right, it's 1230. It's my lunch break. Cool. My lunch break. Let me call mom. So it's like every, so it's like for the first three weeks, you know, every day at 1230, it's like, all right, it's time to cry and call mom. That's, that's 1230. <laughs> like 1230 times. Where was that first summer at? Kentucky. Kentucky. Ooh. What Kentucky. part? Like the mountainous part or the more? Of no, like- so I, I was a walker my first summer. So I actually, um, I actually was in Bowling Green, Kentucky. Yeah. the uh the freaking mascot is uh the hilltoppers it looks yeah. like a if you google it they look like a big like mr grimace like a mcnugget or something that's oh. silly um so yeah i was a walker in a college town there you go uh, yeah um but uh but yeah and then I, I remember after like my third or fourth week telling my mom like hey mom um i want to like only talk to you on sundays um just because i don't know I, she was very good intentioned but she was like yeah you just know if you ever want to come home you can like ah. don't say that no don't tempt me with this mother yeah well i don't know because my my first summer actually amy pagosi was uh was my ol uh, that summer um and it was it was her first time ol and it was her like her third summer or something um but i don't know like it was interesting we had like a lot of people quit i remember and uh with like every person that quit just kind of like made me more strengthened to like stay out there you know Mm. but i I feel like the dangerous thing that happens um when you know that happens is you kind of get a lot more confidence in the fact that you're out there than you do in like trying to do well you know like i was kind of getting all of my like oh yeah like i'm 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 tough shit because like i'm out here and everyone else isn't but because of that, I'm not like trying to be intentional about getting better. Does that make sense? Right. It, it was like a it was like a reward in a way, but the reward kind of satiated it enough that you didn't feel like you needed to to level up. Right. Way. But also, and, and to be fair, and I, I don't know if this is like a, an issue in how I was trained or if it was just my head was up my ass. I knew, I know looking back, I, I was definitely very like full of myself and uh, cocky in certain regards when it came to like, my first summer um but I, I specifically remember like not knowing anything about like units i didn't know what a unit was i didn't know what that meant you know and um kind of like you explained earlier you know it's a measure of production and stuff but i remember specifically it was like week eight or nine and i think i finally broke 100 units right um and 
and we're doing recognition. And then Carlos Navas, who is um, doing recognition, he was a recognition guy, is like, all right, guys, you know, if you sold 100 units, stand up, pat yourself on the back, you know? And uh, I jumped up and he's like, all right, now keep boxing it out. Yeah, 100 units. You just have $500 in your pocket. And that was the first time I connected the dots that 500, like 100 units is, you know, $500 of profit. At the time, yeah. And yeah, at the time, at the time. So, it, and it's like week eight. And like, as soon as, like, I'm like, like this, but in my face, in my head, I'm like, oh my God, I am sucking. Like, holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Um, $500. Yeah, you know, and it's like, <laughs> right. <clears throat> um, so, yeah, you know, that, that happened. And, uh, yeah. And I, I think when I think back to my, my first summer, um, I, I can't help but think of Webster Duplessis. Do y'all know Webby? Have you yeah, ever met Webby? I love Webby. No, I do not know Webby. Webby. He's great. Webster is, he's a Creole, right? He's Creole. Yeah. He's Haitian. He's Haitian. He's freaking awesome. Okay. So this guy, I want to build up Webby right now. If anyone on this freaking podcast or listen to webby uh or heard webby or met webby in the past you know how awesome he is so he moved here from haiti at the age of 14 speaking zero english he did southwestern to like learn how to speak english you know but i hated this guy my first song i hated him <laughs> i i swear so webby was uh so he's super like fit runs he does so much my first summer he was like 250 pounds or something like he lost 100 pounds in like a year and a half into like 2017 or something you know hey. But uh, I, just to tell you the kind of guy Webby was, he's a cheap bastard. And he, uh, I remember we're, we're at the kickoff meeting before my first summer. And he's like, hey, Alex, check this out, check this out. And he walks me over to the trunk of his car and he pops the hood. And there's just in, in, in his, uh, not the hood, but in his uh, trunk, there's just rows of ramen, ramen noodles. And he goes, and he goes, 72 bricks of ramen one for each day of the summer and then he like gives me a fist bump and i'm like dude you're gonna die and then he's like no it's healthy and i'm like no it's not and he's like no it's pasta how is that not healthy and i'm like jesus christ um (laughs) but um but yeah and i I just remember uh i don't know feeling really like defeated after my first summer because i got my check and it was like i don't know freaking 2900 bucks or something and i definitely spent more than that if not like that and um and webby was like i'll take you home because i don't have a car and uh and uh, i just remember like specifically on the drive home it was 2014 so taylor swift's shake it off was uh, all the rage and uh, he just starts playing it and fist bumping and and i'm like all right and i fist bump him and i just start going like this like poor but whatever <laughs> Um, but, uh, but yeah, yeah. So that was, that was, that was my, that was my first summer. I don't know. Anything you, I, yeah. How did you know you wanted to come back? I mean, I feel like most people have that summer and go, screw this. I'm not doing this again. Like what, <clears throat> at what point did you know, or, or how did that happen? Well, I, so I was actually, um, and I was actually one of the first people invited back, even though I, I didn't really produce that much. Um, habits. It was habits. I mean, I think also it was just like, it was like, I was invited back like week four or five. So it's like, everyone was kind of stinking a little bit, but like I was positive. I was, you know, Um, but you know what it was? It was just before my, uh, you know, first summer. I mean, a lot of people, um, you know, a lot of people, 
I, I just dealt with like a lot of issues when it came to like, you know, mental health and, and like, you know, depression, anxiety, blah, blah, blah. And um, yeah, I, I think <clears throat> like Southwestern in, um, in that sales school and like the three positives, like it just taught me so much about like how to like think, you know, it just taught me so much about like how to see the bright side and any bad situation you're in, how to make a heaven out of hell or hell out of heaven. And, and it, it's just like, I don't know. I, I just learned so much about just like how to think in a much more positive and, and pragmatic way that like, I don't know, at the end of the day, like that's easily worth the money I didn't make. Make sense? <laughs> I love the phrasing there. Money I didn't make. Yeah, if you don't get what well, I, I read a quote today, it's like if you don't get what you want, then you got experience. Like if yeah, experience tokens. Yeah. We all know about experience. Well, it was, experience I, there was this. I had this mentee in this organization I was in, and it, he he actually taught me something. He taught me this really great analogy. He was like, you know, when you uh, when you're making a cake, right, and uh, and you're following the recipe, and you're adding the, the, the eggs, and you're stirring in the batter, and you're adding the sugar, and you're doing all this stuff. And, you know, you put it in the oven and you wait for it to come out on the other end. Like if you got a measurement off, if you put in an extra egg, if you mess up the recipe somehow, some way, you don't pull out an empty pan, right? Like you, you pull out something. It's just not necessarily what you thought it was going to be. So um, that, that was kind of, that's that was kind of, I don't know. So yeah, like my, my first summer was full of like a lot of frustrations that I felt more sort of towards the end of it. But I don't know. I learned a lot about myself. I learned a lot about just how to exist in a way that was a lot more positive and, um, and, and uh, just made it worth it, you know? Well, you had a, a pretty, pretty good jump from that first to second summer, as you indicated earlier. Um, so yeah, um, clearly you saw that there was room to grow, you know, a better cake to bake. Right. Um, and you know, obviously, you know, the Florida group was really putting in, um, some good numbers and you had some great leaders to learn from. So like, tell us about like the recruiting and everything that, you know, you, you started doing as a B contract and, and how that maybe helped or didn't help. And, uh, in that growth that you had that second summer. Yeah. Uh, my, my second summer. So I, um, so I, I brought out a team of four my, my second summer. I got my roommate, good friend I met in college, friend from middle school, and then uh, my girlfriend at the time. And, um, and I remember, I don't know, I mean, I was very convicted in the program. I was convicted in Southwestern, what it taught me, what I got out of it. And that, that was kind of just like how I recruited, I guess, you know? Um, it, it was just funny because I remember every freaking GRS or meeting Mark Rao, right? He'd be like, it's like, we need to be selective, right? We don't recruit people because they need this. And in my head, I'm like, no, my people need this. You know, let's get them over here, you know? So, um, but anyway, I, I, I just remember that. But um, I also remember being scared as shit, you know, going uh, into my second summer. I think I ended my, my last week, um, my, my first summer, I sold shit, like, 14 units, you know, which is like less than a hundred bucks in, in profit. Like, so I, I was not going into the spring with any kind of confidence, you know? And, um, so scared as shit. Um, that was when I started reading, you know, my, my student leader went on. So, um, my, I was directly under John Stewart and Mike Yandre at that time. Mike Yandre was, and, and John were like my, more so my go-tos, but, um, it was when I started reading, I started reading about, a lot about like leadership communication, all that stuff. But um, but I remember that recruiting season, 
gave me a very uh, skewed experience or skewed perspective on like what it takes to actually bring out a, like a team, you know, because um, I brought out a team of four, but it, I literally um, probably had 12 people in Thode all summer long. I sorry, all, all spring long. Yeah. Um, it was, it was like, Hey, this is this thing that I'm doing. And, you know, it helps you a ton and it helps ton. you got to hear about it. It's changed my life. Please check it out. You know, but, um, but yeah, yeah. So I, I don't know. I, I got like 12 people in Thode all freaking spring and, um, and, uh, you know, f- four people came out, you know, so in the back of my head also, I'm like, well, this is easy, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Nick. So, um, but, uh, but yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, it was also kind of weird and hard and different, like having a different hats when it came to recruiting, um, my girlfriend, you know, like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah have you guys experienced that at all no what was that that that's actually kind of kind of i was going to ask you about that because it it it, it could uh, be catastrophic you know what i mean it could be uh it, it, or it could be super positive you know it just depends on on the situation i feel like Cause if if if, it, if things don't go well if, if you're a personal relationship you have some issues or you're just kind of arguing about something like how does that translate like how did you do that yeah well so it, it was I don't know. I mean, during the interview process, I was just like hands off, you know, and, and I, I specifically remember um, uh, Carly. Carly was, was her name. still is her name. But, um, <laughs> as far as we know. Yeah, yeah, right. 2021. So, but uh, like, I remember she had been to, like, I had gotten her to go in info. She was like, no, not for me. She said like, check, no, no, whatever. And then like two months later, you know, I she like pops up in the middle of the night and she and she like shakes me awake and she's like, Alex. And I'm like, what? And she's like, I want to sell books. I'm like, okay, good night. <laughs> you know, <I> was like, <laughs> um, you know, and and so I got her in touch with John Stewart. John Stewart handled everything. Like he did the whole interview process. I was very hands off. But um, I forgot who who I freaking talked to about this because I, I was I was kind of torn too. Because also, I had a lot of um, insecurities as far as like how good of a leader and coach I could be anyway. Coming from my first summer, you know, right. Um, so I think it might have been Meredith, Meredith uh, Gardner, and uh, it was just like, it, it was. She was like, yeah, yeah, like you know, you're you're her boyfriend, like you know, don't 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 try to be her her coach. You know, everyone else will, will kind of take care of her. I'm like, all right, cool, <laughs> makes my life easier, you know. Um, so it, and it was like, if she had questions and stuff, I was there for her, for her if she needed them. But, um, but where it did get tough was, uh, I would say the the summer itself, you know um the summer itself because I, I I don't know I mean I definitely just found myself like wanting to give coaching and I was a lot I was not as good back then at like giving uh advice that was unsolicited you know mm. you know well, what I do is I do this um but um but no it was it was tough it was a strain she like was actually beating me a lot you know <laughs> We were in different orgs, so it, it made it easier. Like she didn't really know how I was doing, um, but um, yeah, I, I I don't know. I, I if you have like a specific question, I could probably answer it. I don't know how to go into it. Besides, it was it was it was tough. It was hard. It was hard to balance both hats, you know. Right. Well, and even on that, like, so as a manager, there's like this weird comp, like um, 
power almost dynamic where, where like it seems that you know like even if you didn't sell that many books like you still have a summer's worth of experience of like of, of, of for example you, you know what it's like to get yelled at at a, at a house you know what it's like to have a customer you know what it's like to maybe i don't know if you got a blue light award and got the cops called on you like you you've had those experiences that you've already talked about and she doesn't so there's this like knowledge that you have but at the same time you're saying she's crushing you in production so it's like how do you like how do you cope with the the the, the feeling of because you're talking there's this insecurities did you were you able to like shake that off the personal side and keep it and keep it professional or how did you manage andres i've never been able to shake over shake off my insecurities of what i'm capable, <laughs> <I'm not> capable of <laughs> okay <laughs> um yeah i mean okay so like let me let me so okay I'll just fucking say it because if he if he was listening he wouldn't give a shit. So Michael Chen, right, my my student leader was not like the most hands on dude, right? Like I remember, um, like my my second summer, people are talking about like the student leader creed, right? Um, and and uh, they're like, oh yeah, yeah, you all know the student leader creed. So when you're doing with it, and they're doing like training on it. In my head, I'm like, what the fuck is a student leader creed? Like, who, what is that? You know. <laughs> And for those of you who don't know, it's like the, the basic day one meeting you're supposed to do when you have a first year, you know? So like my, you know, with Michael Chen, like I, I think I met him like once, maybe twice um, before, between gate being selected and going off to sales school. Wow. And um, oh. right. And so, and, and I, we met once or twice and it was like literally just doing those online modules with like product knowledge and stuff. So anyway, you know, I didn't even know my going into my second summer that there was a training manual. So I like with my, the first years I recruited at the time, I just built like my own little team trainings in a way that like made sense to me, you know, like, and I was like, all right, well, like the one thing I could teach them how to do, I definitely think I'm pretty good at compared to them is approaching, you know? So we, we basically just did like approaching, you know? Um, but, uh, but yeah, so anyway, because of like those insecurities, because of um, me kind of trying to do everything on my own, I didn't really, uh, it, it didn't create, because what I see, to kind of speaking to what you're talking about, Andres, what I see, what could have happened is me trying to follow that training manual and where I'm supposed to say X, Y, and Z, and I'm trying to like cover this and talk about this and talk about this Matt, Matt Atchison guy who like went through like detasseling corn and like, you know, like yep. going through that, like that could be tough, you know, when I am already underconfident, but I think, cause I was trying to just do everything in a way that made sense to me. I didn't really encounter that. You were just yourself. Okay. Uh, yeah. So yeah. there was that clear dynamic. How did the rest of the team do that summer? Yeah. Uh, the rest of the team. So my, my, uh, my roommate, um, and I mean like college roommate, that I brought out, he, uh, he actually ended up going home. <clears throat> it was like week or set week, six or seven. Um, right. great dude oh. though. Hey man, honestly, freaking superstar of a human being. Okay. I love that guy. And I love that he followed me into this crazy thing, but, um, no, he's doing super well. And even when we, we catch up, like he still talks about the lessons he learned in Southwestern and like, it's, it's super positive. Um, and I remember like being very uncomfortable like oh what do I do when I get back to Gainesville and like he's just sleeping in bed like you know what do I do and I, I I remember it was like on my mind the whole time and I got home and like when at the end of the summer and I just gave him a big old hug I didn't care but um yeah and then so I had uh one roommate sorry not roommate one uh one first year who um 
you know, was kind of like, you know, below average, kind of like my first summer. And then my second dude, um, he, his name is Kevin and he, uh, he, he did like, well, he did below average, but like right below average, you know, which Kevin uh, are we talking about? Manzard. Remember him? Yeah. I love Kevin. Yeah, man. Yeah, no, Kevin, uh, Kevin's a great guy. Um, and I, I loved living with him. Um, it was funny. My, my second summer, um, God, uh, I'm an idiot. So my second summer, um, Webby, Web, Webster, Web, Webby, who, uh, I mentioned before and Kevin and I were all living together. We we're in, uh, the same org as David Stewart. He was the OL. These two. Where were you selling that summer? Iowa. This was a summer that uh, Danny went to a concert in, <laughs> in Nebraska. But um, but I think I don't know why. I think like on the uh, according to the Southwestern database or whatever, I was like the stats guy, even though I wasn't. So what that meant is that I had access to everyone in the org stats. So, so every single night, me, Webby and Kevin were looking at everyone's stats in the org. Like it was the, like a freaking fantasy football league. Like, well, what would this person do? And then, uh, like, oh, David hit this. Whoa. How did Gwendy do? Like, yeah. But, um, but, uh, but yeah, yeah. So but we had a lot of fun. Kevin Almanzar, funniest story from him following, not him following me, um, just his first summer that I remember to this day. He, um. I got to uh, drive him around during his deliveries for a couple of days. Um, he was a walker, but he had the wonderful idea of scheduling all of his zero down customers for one day. Oh, um, brutal. Fun? Brutal. Fun, brutal, yeah. And, well, my experience. The, yeah. Well, the thing is, though, and, and this is what I got I to gotta respect him for. It. He, um, man, he knew what was coming his way like he he it wasn't like oh just do it all it's it'll be fine it'll be fun like they're gonna come through it was more like yeah i don't want to spend that much emotional energy on my zero down customers i'll put them all for one day and we'll see what happens it's a little game you know like and, and sorry to interrupt here, but this is good to explain to anybody that might not be aware of weak customers, but weak or zero down customers are people who, because typically speaking, it's like Girl Scout cookies, right? So you, the people want the books, they either pay you in full or half of the books, and then you, they pay you the other half when you deliver everything at the end of the summer. Zero down customers are people who are like, I'll pay you everything at the end, I promise. <laughs> and back in May, so you go back there like in August, and you show up and they, you know, and we believe them, don't we? And we believe them stupidly. I never took weak customers because of that. I, got I was excellent at bringing weak customers all the way to strong business at the end of the summer. So <laughs> it's a struggle when you, it's it's always sketchy when you show up to a family that didn't put it's any money down. It's a 50-50 toss up. They might. So, but so scheduling all of them in the same day is an emotional torture day. But that's, that's good for him. So it's how'd what that happened. Go? Yeah, how'd what happened? Go? It was so literally hilarious it was the funny like if i was to drive this fucker of a first year around for his deliveries i'm so glad it was during this day because it was like pulling into a driveway and like they're like all right what's this one he's like oh it's a zero down four book and then like like he shows up with a thing and they like have the cash ready right and he's like oh zero down adventure library we have it zero down six book we have it zero down my set shit can you just how long how long are you in the air yeah 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 we don't have the freaking 90 dollars. meanwhile these other packages i'm mentioning like you know 600 dollars. so you know whatever 
but um, it, it was just so funny. And and I remember looking at his face because he, he always tells the story. He had this Mufu with a payment plan and Mufu was like a $40 package. And this guy separated it into like nine payments. Ooh. And like four of them didn't go through, which <laughs> sounds sounds bad, but not when you say that he owed $25, you know, like that doesn't sound as bad. So he shows up with the bag and, uh, and he, show, he shows up with everything. He's like, I'm tacking on everything. This guy owns, owes 20 bucks on Mufus. And uh, the, the customer answers and he's just like, you just can't swing it. You just can't swing it. How long in the area for? And then Kevin dead ass, like just drops the bag and he's just like, sir, this is sad. Just, I want you to have these. (laughs) (laughs) Um, This is sad. Take this. (laughs) Yeah. You know, um, um, but no, I, it was, uh, I don't know. I, I, I love thinking about, yeah. Yeah. And, and like, honestly, even like my other, the other first year who like, didn't do as well um he did like what i did my first summer it was uh one thing i'm really proud of when i think about him his name is matias he um like because i did the same amount of production i did like 800 units however you know i did most of my production like in the middle you know he you know finished strong he was selling nothing for like eight and nine weeks and then you know it, it's kind of like if he had the end the a full summer full of what he did at the end like he would have you know, you know, been in the superstar book, you would have been fine, you know? So, um, anyway, like, I don't know. I was, it, it gave me the feely feels that feel feely. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Right. Yeah. What yeah. about your production though? You, uh, yeah, cause you jumped. What, what was the change for you? Eight to 25. Uh, yeah. So yeah, it was, yeah, it was eight to like 2350 or something. Um, but I, uh, so my, yeah, my, my first week out there, I sold 19 units you know so that 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 happened i was like oh shit you know and it's it's i love talking about this with someone like andres who sold 4200 units his first summer like and it's it's just yeah like how how do you even i don't (laughs) have you ever sold 19 units yeah like have you have you ever do you know what it's like andres to suck (laughs) i mean i had I, i know what it's like to be off schedule i had a pretty bad third summer but that was i mean completely like I was going to the movies and stuff. But do you know what it's like to try and suck? No. no. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. It's a different beast. Nick gets it. <laughs> yeah, it yeah. took me three weeks to get my first strong customer my first summer. Holy Jesus. Shit. I, I was on schedule. I got so. my first summer on the way to the book. My first customer was on the way to the book field. Yeah. Like, but, what, like yeah. what is different about the training, you know, in 2012 compared to 2014? Like, well, it's just funny because like I'm, I don't know. Cause you know how, you know, our, our standards are constantly changing, you know? And it's like, when you get used to this amount of production, it's like the idea of even doing less is like, what the fuck, you know? Which is interesting how that happens. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so it's, it's just, that's what I'm, I'm thinking of when I'm, I'm talking with you, Andres, cause like as a first year who not knowing what they're doing was like hitting PC and doing like, what do you, what's going through your head when you hear of someone having a, you know, a 50 unit week? Oh man, I don't know. I I don't think. I think so. I think for me personally, the 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 thing that worked for me was I didn't know anything. Like I I, I got it recruited the week of finals week. We already know this, but but so because I didn't know anything, I put my entire faith in the fact that I, I remember telling myself, okay, 
I'm going to give it everything I got. I'm going to be coachable. And if it doesn't work, it wasn't on me because I did everything I was supposed to do. And then it, it, it didn't work out. Um, so when I hear that, I also like, when I hear someone say, I only sold 50 units this week, I think to myself, like, Hey man, like if you were working your ass off and you only sold 50 units, then there's, there's some things that you just needed to figure out about yourself, about how to read people, um, maybe about, about how to work a territory properly. I mean, I, I, I've also been in sales situations where I can think of even after Southwestern where I'm like, you know, I don't know that that was entirely my fault that I, that, that happened, that I didn't do that well because of certain situations or like that means that there's something in here that i have to figure out danny danny when he was on on the episode mentioned that his first week he sold like seven units and then he that when he was doing his stats at the end of the week he asked me how many did you sell your best week last summer and i was like i don't know like 700 something and he said that for him it meant that there was something more that he still needed to figure out and he wasn't going to quit until he did um, and so I think that's just what, when I hear that, it just says, like, oh, there must be just something that you cut that, that like, if we just switch it and I, and I wouldn't know what it is until like I followed you and watched you work or, or, or whatever, but that, that you can just go, oh, I know what it is. Just try this. And then, and then it, it, it catches. So yeah, there, there might, when I hear that, I think, oh man, there must've been something that like, if you're trying and you're going to the doors and you're knocking, there must've been just a couple of little tweaks that you could probably make and be like, and then all of a sudden, I mean, shit changes. Cause, 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 and you of all people know you, hell you, you had an 8,000 unit summer, which I can't even imagine what that would be like. Right. So, so there, there must've been things along the way that you picked up that you're like, ah, I learned not to do this. Like the, the light bulb. Of course. I'll, I'll just say when I hear, oh, you had a 50 unit week. I'm like, yeah, let me tell you about my first week, my first summer I had three <laughs> sit downs and it was raining 90% of the time and it was yeah. absolutely horrible. Yeah. And, but, but to answer your question, I mean, I would say that the, the summers that I had that were super off schedule, I learned a lot about myself those summers. Like I learned how shitty I can be. And by shitty, because because you're not your units. That's something that like people want to. We joke about your you are your units, and because you are because right? you are, but no, you're not. <laughs> but but you know, like I I needed to find out how lazy and how lack of for I mean like how it feels to not follow through with your word, right? Because mm. right now, right. I feel like if you would ask people, I mean, I would I would hope so. My hope is that people. When I die, they go, okay, you know, he could have been an asshole. Maybe he was a douche or whatever. But at the end of the day, you know, if, if he said he was going to do something like 99% to 100% of the time, he did, he did it right. Barring crazy events. And I learned that because my third summer, I had to lie to my brother about my stats and I had to tell him, yep, I worked the whole day and I knocked on all the doors and I, you know what I mean? And yeah hurt to do that and i but my pride and my ego let me do that and then that put a strain on our relationship and then at the end i figured out it's not worth it's not worth lying so if it's better to just either say hey i didn't do it and i don't want to and 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 just accept that and own that then 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 to lie you know what i mean and so I needed that summer too, just like you probably needed that. You needed that first week with three sit downs, so you know, eat some <laughs> and you needed that to, to, to learn about life and because and, and, there's probably things in life that we're going to experience that are way harder than what we experience selling books, right? But that experience of it teaches us what we are and who we are when shit hits the fan. Mm. And that's more important than 8,000 units, I think, you know, so yeah, I don't know. Well, I mean, no, I mean, it's interesting that you say that and I'm glad that, and I think it's important too, that you had 
the summer that you ended up having your third summer. Cause third. I don't know. I mean, one, one, uh, one exercise that I, I always think of, uh, and I used to like talk about this when uh, I was interviewing kids towards the end of, uh, full timing and everything is, um, when people like are scared to sell books, or they don't want to sell books. Blah, blah, blah. Um, I would think about like, okay, well, okay. So like for you, Andres, right. Like what are some, you know, words or adjectives you'd use to describe, you used to describe yourself. Right. And then most people when asked that question are going to be like, Oh, well, I'm, I'm hardworking. I'm, you know, I'm dedicated. I'm motivated. Like they, they'd say all these phrases. Right. <clears throat> but um, one thing that I, I think is important is that um, you're, you are not actually um, it's not right to define yourself using those words if you're not actively challenging challenging yourself in those areas, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's it's easy to call yourself, you know, really motivated and disciplined when you're not um, challenging or you're not putting to the test your motivation and your discipline. You know, so so many people would rather live in this fantasy world where they're a really hard worker and then not work hard, right? Because I'd rather keep that up up here than actually put it to the test. Um, in the opposite. So no, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I was just playing off of like what you're sharing. Like it was important for you to have that third summer that you had just because like it put those, those things to the test, but you did learn a lot about yourself from the process and everything of it, you know? Yeah. And, and again, back to like what you were saying, you know, what you said, you had 50 units, your, your, you know, that first week or, or 19 units that first week. And what you think of when you hear that, I think, Hey man, you still got a lot to learn and it's this you're in the best place to learn in the best situation possible the, the consequences of you not doing well in a summer at the end of the day not that great i'd rather i'd rather learn that lesson selling books door to door than you know as a dad or as a <laughs> husband you know that yeah. of, of what i you know i'd rather lie about my brother about how many books i did or did not sell versus like to my wife about how good i'm doing or i don't know does that make sense no yeah, that, that's a, that's a great point um Oh, and then, okay, so, um, <laughs> okay, cool. So, so going back, I guess, to yeah. that, that like, you know, second summer and everything, um, as far as like what clicked and what didn't and all that stuff, I was very, um, I was very like naive also. So for example, um, with you saying like, oh, like I didn't know what I was doing as a first year, but I viewed my second summer as just correcting my first summer. Like I viewed my second summer as like, okay, I'm a first year again, like, I am not a manager. I am not a student leader. I am not all these, these titles or anything like that. I'm just going to go, I'm going to do the job the way that I should have done it the first time, you know? Um, and like even something, and, and as far as like little technical gaps that you're talking about, like there's one little disconnect. Like I know, for example, one thing that I was not doing, um, at the end of uh, my first summer that I was very intentional about doing my second summer was even um, the three main reasons, like the end of the intro, like doing the three main reasons, you know, like, yeah, like my, my first summer, I remember I would, yeah, it's huge. It's huge, you know, but it's something that you don't really think is that huge when, you know, you're a first year and you don't know anything and you think you're good at shit, you know, (laughs) (laughs) I was just like, all right, cool. My name's Alex. I'm doing this. I'm from Florida. All right. What's your story? How does school go? Straight A's, A's, B's. Oh, A's, B's. Where's the B? B's in math. Okay. Well, let me tell you what I'm doing. Like, like that's that, but you know, the three main reasons, you know, finding the need uh, is very important, you know? And um, I think my intention, my, uh, I was very intentional my second summer about uh, doing the things that I didn't think I necessarily had to do my first summer. 
um, you know, just being a student of game and, and all that, all that jazz, you know, and, and I think the biggest area where I struggled in my second summer was honestly just freaking getting 30 demos. I was a, dr a driver for the first time, you know, um, but, uh, but yeah, I, I would say like, that was, that was the gap more or less, you know, I, I know, I know I got a fun little, fun little fact. I got four logs my entire first summer. What's up? You know, so <laughs> four online subscriptions. I know, you know, so, um, I still have a lot to learn, but, um, but yeah, I, I would say that was my, uh, my second summer more or less in like a nutshell, you know? Yeah. Let's jump to the to 8,000. Well, uh, how miserable was that plateau for yeah. six summers? And then we can talk about that last summer. Um, I'm curious to hear, yeah, like your persistence there. And then all of a sudden you jump, like what went through your head and, and how was that? Good call. Yeah. Um, well, let me think about that for half a second. Um, so, I mean, I, I don't know. I think that the, uh, what I was going back for every year was always a little different, you know, like my, my third summer, it was not about, you know, let me sell a bunch. It was, um, it was more so about expanding my leadership ability. Like I was Meredith Gardner's AOL that summer. Uh, Kelsey Rao was the first year in that summer. Like that was a whole thing, you know, <laughs> wait, let's, we can't just, oh, it's not always, so now someone I wants mean, to talk about, okay. Yeah, sure. Let's go for it. <laughs> What's that like? Kelsey Rao is the daughter of the U.S. Director of Sales for the Southwestern Book Company and had like been groomed to sell books door to door. And I don't know if that's accurate, but yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, you, you watch this chick roll out and like hit PC like her second or third week as a first. 600 year. units her first. Yeah. Yeah. What happened? Yeah. Yeah. So. I Man, honestly, uh, the the roommate of of you know Nick would be a great person to ask because okay. you know Meredith you know Meredith like took Kelsey's stat call and stuff you know, um, but yeah she uh, she just she was very technically freaking sound you know and she also was very um, how do I put this she's she's like Mark you know if anyone who knows Mark she, she's very much like Mark like driver freaking like get shit done not taking shit from anybody like i remember specifically um like we're doing a uh, example we're doing sales talk practice and we're practicing sales talks together and stuff and like she keeps looking down at her script right and so and like my my whole thing is just like all right like i know she knows it but she keeps using it as a crush so i cover it you know i'm like hey like just try it and then uh she tries it, she gets through it and then um and then like after she goes it's my turn and then me starting to go through like the sales talk that we're practicing together she just grabs my script and like throws it behind her. she's like all right no you, now you go you know like a big old fuck you and i'm like Whew, you know like yeah, all right let's go um but anyway so yeah she she uh she didn't take shit from everybody but um yeah she jumped right out of the gates kind of slinging um yeah like she had a okay first week like sold 150 or 180 her second week she sold 250 and then her third week was a week she hold she hit PC. Uh, she had over six hundred, and yeah, Damn. and she, which honestly like isn't a big deal now for people who are involved in, in Southwestern now. But it was like back then, like they, we didn't have like a. It was two thousand sixteen. We didn't have a first year hit PC since freaking, you know, twenty thirteen or twelve or you know what I mean. Like it, it had been a while. It was a dry spell, 
And um, one of the things I remember though, is uh, so she, her fourth week, um, she like, or maybe it was her fifth week. I don't know. It doesn't matter. But she was going about the week and then she hit like 190 or something on, on Friday. She hit 190 on Friday and she quit in one day. And then she, and then she quit. So she, she hit 190. She, she hit what would have been the magic number for, for first years. And then she quit. She went, she went home. Um, and I remember talking to John Stewart, uh, cause John would like coach her a lot and stuff. And, uh, <laughs> telling me on the phone, Oh yeah, she, uh, she hit the tragic number. I was like, Oh, it's the tragic number. And, and he goes, <laughs> And he goes, oh yeah, it's it's like the magic number, but it's the uh, it's the highest amount of units hit by somebody with a bad attitude. <laughs> oh damn. Yeah, you know, and I don't know. I mean, it's it's uh, and then you know, and then she ha- she left, and honestly, I I was not her stack call. You know, there's only so many like assumptions that like I can make. It's all speculation. Like right. there's certain people who are more involved and hands on her summer and how that was going um it's hard to judge that thing too you, you know yeah you definitely don't want to like assume anything with those kind of things you never know what people are yeah, going she's through. not a bad yeah. person oh, no. Well, no and but actually no, one no, thing this that, is not a roaster by any means it's just, no. it's just interesting because i remember i was still selling that summer and i remember when that happened people were like whoa like what the fuck? of all people you know one thing that had highlighted to me what thinking back on it um is just like this job's freaking hard you know and it, it doesn't matter and like hard and difficulty is not a a uh it does, it's not a reflection of like how much you're selling or not selling, you know, like this job's hard, whether you're selling 600 units or 100 units or nothing or 800, you know, like people yeah. who are hitting more start crying when they hit chairman's, you know, right. so something it's, about it's, like cheese grater to the skin, like constantly. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's- um, yeah. So, I mean, so I don't know. I mean, I've, I've actually, I've never, I've seen Kelsey a, a few times since uh, that summer. We've never really talked about it. And honestly, like, I just, I, the way that I view it is just having Mark as a dad, like, I'm sure she's already like dealt with a lot of emotional ups and downs and dealing with him, blah, blah, blah. And I don't want to add to it. And I don't like, I don't know, whatever. I never thought she was like a bad person or whatever yeah, for, no. for Quinn, but. Well, and um, the thing is the whole family is really cool. I mean, Mark is like a stud, you know what I mean? Like you, you well, meet Mark and you're like, dude, your, your whole family is the shit. Like they're awesome. Oh yeah. No, the, the family's great. And Mark has a great chest too, man. Have you seen that thing? Shoot. (laughs) (laughs) Mark, if you're listening, nothing but love. Also, he's on my, he's on my fantasy premier league. So I think I'm playing him next week. Oh, okay. (laughs) He he hopes he wins. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. So the plateau and then the plateau. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so basically, um, man, Okay. I mean, let me think about this. So my, my third summer was exactly what it needed to be. I decreased from like 2,400 to 2,100. I think that's okay. I think, uh, John Stewart actually was coaching me through and he was like, honestly, dips your third summer more normal. Cause your growth, your second summer is more natural, right? Because you're, you know, you're, you're just better at the job, but then, you know, growth, your third summer just doesn't just happen, right? Like you have to be intentional about how you're getting better, you know? Cause, and, um, and I don't know, I, I definitely think about after my second summer and I did have like my head on my butt a little bit. I was very cocky. I did feel like I felt like 6,000 units was like a gimme, you know, like, oh, you know, I, whatever, like it, it's going to be fun. Um, so I, I think that that is what it is. It was frustrating. Everyone's dealt with it. Um, 
and my my fourth summer i was in mississippi um i was running an org with maria ben zachary and robert claire and i was in like rural mississippi um super rural like i don't know like 70 percent it's now like 60 percent like white 40 percent black you know like yeah yeah one of those where basically if they answered the door and their skin was fair they went to the private school you know like subtle segregation you know um but um what i found interesting and, and this was something i realized going into this past summer um i always found a way quote unquote i always found a way to sell 2500 units like i always found a way to make it happen um like that fourth summer in in mississippi i was uh i wrote up 1500 units and then i had like a thousand units in week business come through you know <laughs> like my fifth summer i was in wisconsin with maddie gregor that was where the story came in of of her following me and finding me while i was working you know yeah that episode was fun yeah 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 um and and uh you know like i hit i broke some belief barriers i think i had like a 540 unit week or something you know and which like if you were to just repeat that 12 times you'd sell 6,000 units but no i i found a way to sell 2,500 units you know um my sixth summer i was in indiana i i have a, a history like ben where um I, I've been in like new states every every freaking year, except for this past year. But um, in 2019, my sixth summer, I was I was selling in Indiana, and I remember um, I was sucking butt, and I think like yeah, sucking butt, you know. <laughs> um, and yeah, before deliveries, I was I was sitting at like I don't know, like 2,100 units or something like that, 22. And um, I delivered 3,000. Like I, I tacked on week units, all that stuff. But um, but yeah, and then and then uh, 2020 was very frustrating. I was like an OL for the first time, um, for the first time, like kind of on my own, you know. Um, Devin Pusley and Naomi Coffin were uh, like were very involved. I couldn't have done it without them. But on paper, I was like the OL, you know. And I think that also ties into um, why maybe I had that plateau because every year I was I was um leading an org with someone else I was like co-oling um and I think I could kind of like pass the buck to them like hey like it's okay that I don't know how to sell books because Maddie will do it I don't it's okay I don't know how to sell books because Martin will do it you know um and I was just kind of like shortchanging myself a lot um so yeah my this this past summer uh sorry, 2020 was very like frustrating too. Cause it seemed like everyone and their mom was exploding. Like everyone was hitting PC and everyone was freaking, yeah, just doing freaking great. And, uh, and I remember specifically someone, I was talking to someone and someone was like, yeah, like everyone's hitting PC. And I'm like, in my head being the nego ego that I tend to naturally be, I was like, well, if everyone's hitting PC and I'm not hitting PC, I'm not everyone. I'm no one. I'm like, oh. And then I remembered Ryan Davis's quote where no one's going to go to your pity party. So I shut the fuck up. Like, <laughs> <laughs> but um, but yeah, no, it was kind of like humiliating, but in a way that's not actually humiliating because no one gives a shit, you know? Mm. Um, 
and uh i think but but anyway like yeah like i was sitting on like even that last uh summer in 2020 i was sitting on like 1100 units um with like three or four weeks left in the summer and again found a way hit 2500 you know i just picked up in the end you know and I, I think I carried on those, that positive momentum, those good habits, those like things I was actually doing well into uh, this last summer and it was a little bit more intentional in different rounds. And uh, that's kind of what helped out. But were you ever nervous? Like, cause dude, you jumped, that's a jump 2,500 to 8,000. That's a, you gave yourself, what is that? Almost three, 5,000, 5,500 units. So that's what, that's a about $40,000 raise. So yeah. <laughs> Oops, like, yeah. I mean, so, and, and to give you context, so we had, I always think of Chad Alio. He kind of had a very similar story like yours, but he did it in three summers where his first summer, he barely hit Sizzler. His second summer, I think he hit like 2000 units. And what he said was, he goes, you know what? I have to do this 100% by the book. On schedule. Before yeah. I, so I could say at least I gave it my everything because I know where I'm not doing. Was it kind of like that for you or was did something click? I mean, I know you were saying momentum, but like still you, you could be looking at March before that summer and go, Ooh, what if it happens again? Or, you know, Alex, I need your permission. Can What's I up? give the answer that you gave me when I asked you this question when you were in town? Uh, yeah, give it. Let me see if, yeah, let me see if I have an addendum to okay. it. Yeah. Cause, uh, Big secrets out, out of the bag, right? This guy, Alex, has no hair. He's got alopecia, right? You own it quite well. <laughs> you look quite handsome. And so he... Yeah, he how do you do it? <laughs> hold on, hold on, hold on. The first thing he told me was like, I don't know what I did, man. I think when I like knocked on Miss Jones' door, they thought I was a make-a-wish kid. And so they took pity on me and bought a ton of bucks. <laughs> That's like, the secret. What did you really do? Yeah, right. <laughs> sure that that could be a, we can a get into the alopecia after this eight thousand unit summer but that's, that's funny yeah i, I forgot it yeah 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 so it's like people the people showed up and they're like you poor thing come on <laughs> um so <clears throat> yeah um okay so like i said I, i've always been really like into like reading and and like kind of self-development and, and and all that stuff and um and one of the things, and I've read a lot of books on psychology. I've read a lot of books on leadership and sales, blah, blah, blah. So one of the things that I, um, I uh, learned a lot about was this idea of like cognitive dissonance. Okay. Do you, do you know what I mean by that, August? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I so, upon it, but I, I know I'm familiar with the term. The concept, right? So cognitive dissonance, um, for, for those of you who are listening, cognitive dissonance um, is, you know, when you experience kind of like a, a disassociation from, you know, how you feel like things ought to be versus how things end up occurring, right? Um, and naturally, our brain tries to minimize cognitive dissonance, okay? So an example, right? I would like to consider myself a very giving charitable person, right? I'd like to consider myself a giving charitable person. And then I'm leaving a Waffle House, and this is clearly a made-up example. I'm leaving a Waffle House, and a, um, a homeless person asks me for, you know, a few bucks, right? And I say, oh, no, and I keep walking, right? That is something that a lot of people do, right? Like, we, we all think we're good people, but then here is a time and a moment for us to be good, and we don't, right? We keep going to our car. And, um, and so, essentially, 
because um, I view myself as a charitable person, I'm given this opportunity to be charitable and I don't take it, that creates cognitive dissonance, right? So I have two, op I have two options at this point, okay? I can reconfigure how I view myself. I can reconfigure, you know, my self-definitions and, you know, I could be like, okay, Alex, you are actually not a, uh, a charitable person. You know, you are a selfish human. You know, I could, I could do that. Or I could rationalize, right? I could come up with a bunch of reasons why it made sense to not give him money. I could say, oh, well, he'd probably use it for drugs or alcohol or I don't have any cash on me or, you know, whatever. I'm in a rush. Like I come up with excuses, right? So usually um, excuses are what come up when cognitive dissonance occurs in, in money. And you see this a lot um, in politics too, like people, you know, having something on their platform and then they vote in a different way, blah, blah, blah. So anyway, I, um, and, and so the thing is, it's just interesting, right? So um, our brain naturally tries to, like, tries to minimize cognitive dissonance. So the way that we see this come up, and this is what I was more so analyzing before this past summer, the way that we see cognitive dissonance coming up in the summertime, for example, is I have this core belief, right? My core belief is that I am a 2,500 unit producer, right? And that's just in me, that's in my brain, that's in my heart, I don't know how to shake it. And then I have an event, okay? And the event is a uh 500 unit week right right so so my fifth summer at a 500 unit week right now a 500 unit week goes against my uh goes against my um self-concept right exactly my self con my self-concept as a 1200 unit producer so what do i do i i start sucking the next few weeks i i, I dip in production you know i i want to compensate for that right um and because it all just equals out to this 2500 unit producer right and and because essentially when this 500 unit week happens right by i have two options right i could reconfigure how i view myself like oh i am capable i am confident i am complete i am a six thousand unit producer i'm a topic server producer blah, blah blah or i can chalk it up to rationalizations i can say like oh the uh, you know i'm doing the school district really likes books you know like you know you, you get that to that point guys like where you're kind of thinking in the back of your head like maybe this county just doesn't need books you know <laughs> Maybe they don't, yeah. So I, I remember, uh, I don't care if I'll slow your name. So I remember uh, Maddie Greger, second to last summer, she called me and she was just like, I just feel like people in this county don't care about their kids' education. I'm like, <laughs> say that out loud one more time for the class, please. But, <laughs> but anyway, so but yeah, so anyway, so you have this event, then you have the option. The option is to reconfigure how you view yourself or to come up with a, a, an explanation. Okay. So anyway, um, and that, that kind of uh, was, was it's kind of what I was looking into going into my second summer, my, sorry, my, my last summer, um, because the way to overcome that, and, and I was reading a book called um, Can't Hurt Me by David Goggins. You guys? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So in, in the book, right, he talks about- Audio book, by the way, is the best, but yeah. Is it? I, I've only read it. I haven't listened to it. Um, but he talks about the 10% rule, right? And the 10% rule is where you essentially are consciously just increasing your your input, your production by 10% increments, right? And, and the reason why this works if we're talking about cognitive dissonance is because a 10% increase does not, um, it does not create cognitive dissonance. Because if you can fathom, right, a, a 300 unit week, you can fathom a 330 unit week. That doesn't like change your self image, right? If you can fathom a 330 unit week, you could fathom a 365 unit, you know, and, and so on and so forth. <clears throat> so, um, so basically 
I don't know. I, I did not want to, I knew with it being my last summer with me being an eight summer book person with, um, you know, just be me being where I was at. I did not want to increase by 10%. You know, I did not want to increase from 2,500 units to whatever that might be 2750 or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so what I decided to do just to minimize the cognitive dissonance was, uh, not count, not keep track, not know where I was at, not care. Um, and all summer long, I, I didn't look at my production. I didn't look at my e-bar. I didn't look at my activity report. I looked at, I looked at like my, my e-bar, um, an activity report for the first time on the drive to check out in the middle of August, you know, um, because the way that I was thinking about it, and I decided to do this, you know, probably back in like March or, or February before the summer even started. Um, because the way that I thought about it is if I don't like physically or visually see the, you know, 300, 400, 500 unit week, I can't think to myself, uh, oh, you know, that's not me, you know? Yeah. You know, so, and then I won't like try to course correct them all So, um, you know, so that, that was kind of what I did, you know, like I, I knew I was throughout the course of the summer, I knew I was doing well. Um, cause I, I knew, you know, when I would hit like PC or chairman's or whatever, but I, I never knew the number. I didn't want to know the number. <laughs> like, like I remember it was funny. We were doing like a virtual border war and, and Mark, um, was Mark Rao was showing like people's production and he started showing like how my weeks were going, you know, as like a example and stuff and felt good. But, um, but I remember everyone in my org, uh, like we, we lowered the volume on, on the TV and we're like, ah, character, you know, growth. <laughs> like, you know, we we're just like kind of overshouting it and then whatever, we turn back up the volume, um, <laughs> afterwards. But, but yeah, that, that was my thing. I, I just stopped, uh, stopped thinking about it and you know, whatever. That it's funny that you say that because I think there's people who sell, who need to know those numbers to, in order to like do well. And then there's people like, for me, I, I, when, when I was hitting the bigger numbers, I, I did not count my units. Like my best day on the field was like 275. And I, and that Monday I was like, okay, I am not going to look how I'm doing and what that did is allow me to focus on the people for what they needed and what how I could help them instead because before I'd be like okay they have a middle schooler and a young kid so that I can get like 42 units out of this if I really tried or 60 units out of this oh so I focused on that and then lo and behold they wouldn't or they would buy but it wouldn't be that big versus like instead of like trying to count the units in my head I go dude I don't even know what I'm where I'm at it's like what do you guys need it's not like a gross feeling. It's gross. like, it's yeah. disgusting. Yeah. Um, I remember this past summer whenever, and I totally like know what it is that you're like that feeling, you know? And I remember this past summer, whenever I felt myself feeling that like counting and like, but there's one thing counting when you're in your car and counting when you're in front of Miss Jones, you know? Yeah. When I found myself counting in front of Miss Jones, I would intentionally like try to break them down to like the smallest package possible. Right. I would just try. I'm like, I'm like, Hey, you know, like some people just get this first row right here, but you get more if you want, you know, but like, I was just trying to do it because then if they got more, I was like, okay, I didn't make them get it. Like, whew, whew, you know, very good. That's um, <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, super interesting that you, that you removed your brain's ability to 
like rationalize that 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 that's such an ingenious way of dealing with that cognitive dissonance that you were dealing with you know mm, okay so and, and this is like something that's a little bit more like uh, philosophical about like southwestern as a whole and all that stuff because i i get deep get deep getting deep, <laughs> deep. um <laughs> wow that was good can you do it again deep deep all right no that, that was good cow which got me a sale once but that's for another time that's another time <laughs> <laughs> so so um so one of the things that was so so frustrating and i, I remember like just being like so like livid and jaded because being in that 2500 unit like purgatory plateau i was like oh god i hated being at grs and having people go on stage and talk about like how they hit ASL or how they were a top experience producer, how they sold 10,000 units, how they sold, how they had the top team. And they go up there and I hated hearing them talk about, um, yeah, you know, like I was at GRS last year and I imagined myself on this stage and you know, that, that was it, you know, like I, I knew from last year I was going to be on this stage, you know, I just wanted it. And then like, when you say, say that to people like, all right, well, fuck me. I just didn't want it enough. You know, like, mm. I guess that's it, you know? And, and it's just, it, it's, it's just interesting. Cause like, I don't know. I mean, I, I think that, I think that um, I learned a lot this summer and, and like, I'm, I'm, I am glad with, I'm glad of um, how I decided to do it, right? Because honestly, even, even if I did not grow, right? Even if I sold the same shit that I did the summer before, I learned like a lot of lessons in doing it this way anyway. You know, like I learned a lot about like acceptance and, and like just kind of like letting go and stuff like that, you know, which is worth it. Um, but at the end of the day, like this is a very, from a scientific standpoint, this is a very bad experiment. Like there are so many... Um, independent variables or so many variables that like for, for me to, uh, for me to like be here and be like, Oh yeah, well, this is uh, this is how you, how you grow a ton. Yeah. You don't count. Like, you know, it's kind of self-centered and bullshit. There is um, actually Robert, Robert Claire who lives in Gainesville. He sold for like five summers. His episode summers. is scheduled for November 4th. Yeah, man. Thank God. All right. Yeah. I always think you know, he, cause he's going to be such an interesting um oh, yes. su such an interesting episode because like i don't know I, I love talking about books his is going to be great because he's not going to talk about books that much which is awesome <laughs> That's okay. um but um but no he, he was like quoting this like stoic um journal uh a diary of a stoic i don't know whatever he was he was quoting something a uh, stoic quote and it was just like don't attribute to character what could be attributed to luck you know mm. and it, i don't know i mean yeah, you, you follow? Don't attribute to character what you could attribute to luck. That's, yeah. That's a fancy control the controllables? It's it's more like a don't get in your head about your like successes type of thing. You know, like, you know, I mean. The, the luck of the circumstance, you know? Yeah, you know, like we're, we're out there getting lucky all the time, um, you know, and there are certainly things that we're doing well, but um I don't know. I mean, like, it, it's not a, uh, it's not a, it's not a blueprint, you know, like there, it took me six years to figure out how I'm motivated, how I am, um, 
going to, you know, like succeed and, and like break belief barriers. Um, and like the way that works for me is going to be super, super, super different from the person, the way it works for someone else, you know? So I don't know. I mean, like, yeah, sure. Maybe like not counting shit and the cognitive dissonance theory and blah, blah, blah is going to help somebody, but it's not going to help everybody. Um, I always said, I always said that like, if you, <clears throat> the difference between and maybe this is wrong, generally speaking, like 400 or 500 units and a thousand units in a week is so small that it's that it's that difference for everyone. Like if you if you were to try to code someone how to go from 400 to a thousand, it could maybe totally fail because what they need isn't what you figured out and this like kind of what you're talking about. But mm. when you do figure it out for you, that thing that clicks, you don't you don't come back down from that. You know what I'm saying? It just it, it, there's a there's not much like like if you're if you're going to all the doors and or even in life in general if you're doing all the things right like you're saying you could do everything right and still fail because it was something else it was something mental or it was something like perspective that you needed to figure out and it's it seems that whatever that was for you in this case just i mean helped you really just elevate yourself to 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 the standard that you that you now have or that you you know would expect to you know for you and that's huge and it translates into other aspects of your life as well you know mm. no it's a, it's a really yeah fair fair point i like it but that's you figured out what it was for you you know and, it, and maybe it won't work for everyone if my memory serves me alex when we had breakfast at the flying biscuit with meredith which is a great uh great place to dine by the way if you're oh, ever okay. we're, not, yeah. we're not sponsored by the flying biscuit but we could but be, we could be. <laughs> but we could, be. uh, yeah, it's a great restaurant, um, real good staple breakfast place here. But Meredith was like, okay, but like, what did you do? But like, how did you do it? You know? And, and if I remember correctly, you said that it was, you truly had a buying atmosphere for yourself. And like you, like every first goal period of every day, you were just like, I'm okay if I zero, I don't care if I zero, I'm in like that, that like pit in the stomach that we all have to start. A book day right kind yeah of, and you just yourself through that yeah uh you also like we're nonchalant about showing big packages and that was kind of like the two things that you focused on in that conversation but i don't know if you want to expound on those or add anything else that was like what pushed you to the next level but <clears throat> yeah no and yeah good good memory look at that look at you doing good at your job man <laughs> so um yeah so i mean a, a few things but um okay I think from a technical standpoint, right? Like, cause that, I, I, that's what Meredith was definitely like, when I, what did you do? You know? And uh, I remember following Kimberly Beloyan, you know, who ended up selling uh, over 10,000 units this past summer. And I definitely took away things from her. And, you know, the way that I see it is like, if I didn't get a single nugget out of Kimmy, I, I could, I probably would have grown. Not, not nearly as much, you know, like, you know, maybe four or five, who's to say, you know? Um, but uh but I think the biggest thing that I learned to do in ways of acceptance, and, and you kind of explained it pretty well, um, I coached myself through uh, every single morning before, um, you know, the end of the first goal period, just being okay, doing nothing, like zeroing, zeroing out, you know? And um, like Matt Atchison in his advanced sales was always talking about like, you know, I wake up with a big old stomach ache and I don't like stomach aches, <laughs> you know? Um, and, you know, I, I had that just like everyone else. And I, I compared it to a peach pit, right? 
like there's a peach pit when you think of a peach pit it's so ugly it's gross it's brown it's wrinkly it looks like uh like i don't know foreskin i don't know what you want to compare it to but it's gross <laughs> it's disgusting if you ever seen it really. exactly what it looks like you know what i'm sorry like a little scrot of a pit okay yeah and but it's like hard and sharp and shit right you know you know but it, but hey think about how juicy a peach is you know like you know you got to eat through the juiciness to, to throw out the the, the the pit you know if you just throw out the whole peach pit beginning of the day you're missing out on a whole lot of peach so um but no so the, the way that i try to think about it though was um and, and i think i i don't think i would have been able to think of it this way if i didn't have the plateau that i had right um because what i did was i think about like okay well alex you have sold 2500 units before right i was like okay yeah i have cool you know like like does anyone think less of you like as of a human being now because of last summer no okay cool you know i all right alex you've zeroed out before right like was last year still pretty cool like did you do some stuff see some cool places meet some cool people yeah okay cool but basically like kind of realizing that anything that could go wrong today I've, i've already been through i've already experienced and i'm okay it's not a big deal you know and uh, what, what I called that when I, as I was going through it over the summer was turning um, what ifs into even ifs, mm-hmm. you know, because because what we do is we, we were, well, I'm going to say I said we, but I'll just use, you know, first person. What I was constantly doing is saying like, you know, what ifs, right? And, and it was like very much a place of anxiety. Like, what if this happens? What if I zero out? What if I don't sell anything? What if I don't grow? What if I stagnate? Blah, blah, blah. You know, what if first years quit? Um, and, but anyway, the, I, the practice, right. Was to turn it into even if, so turning the what ifs into even if, so rather than what if I zero out more, so even if I zero out, that's okay. Cause I'm still meeting cool people. I'm still like, you know, we're an art, like, I'm still going to do this, that, and the other, you know, so yeah. Even, even if I end up selling 2,500 units again, this summer, whatever, you know, I sold 2,500 units last summer. I still got to travel. I still got to meet cool people. I still, you know. And, and it's just interesting too, because I don't know, I mean, I think the bigger lesson, I guess, that I learned in the last like couple of years is just everyone's wrapped up in their own shit anyway. They don't have time to think about what you're insecure about in your life, you know? And, and it's like, for you, like, all right, like Nick, like who is someone you uh, admire? Like you, someone that you like think very highly of? I'm just kidding. About Julio Hernandez. Julio Hernandez. Okay. Like, did he sell books or no? Yeah, he was a okay. DSM out of Florida State. Okay, so what what do you like? What do you think of when you think of Julio Hernandez? What are some things that you admire and love about Julio Hernandez? Just how like good he is at making me feel seen and heard and appreciated and listened to, um, and just like how how human he is and just like not a big deal. The big deals are because it's just like something that we can rise to and be and even though there's things that hold us back from that that's also not a big deal it's like it just is what it is you know it's neither good nor bad and you know just things are and so um yeah he's he's been a great mentor to to learn from to to ground myself okay cool and like that is really important now usually when people think of you know, Julio Hernandez, right? Or when people think of like other mentors, you're not going to think of the number of units that they sold. You're not going to think of the amount of five, 10, 15, 20 person teams that they brought out. You're not going to think of the, you know, 
the the phrase ASL, you know, like you're going to think of how they made you feel and their impact on your life. And, and I don't know, it, it kind of like made me realize that like the things people love about me are not the things that I'm thinking about myself, you know, and the, the things that people don't like about me are not the things that I don't like about myself, you know, like, I'm like, no Dude, one is wrapped up. Right. Exactly. So, and, and I, I had like a, there's a, there, there was a, there's a manager who was following me and, um, and I don't know, like she, she was a freaking joy to work with. And I, and I, I've loved, I love seeing her grow this past summer, but she was following me this past summer and she was like super like wrapped up in like her sales and how she was doing now. She wasn't doing well enough as she should have been doing and all this stuff. But I, I looked at her and at this point, I don't think I'd sold anything. Like if it was like, you know, three hours into the day or it was over four hours. And uh, I looked at her and I was like, okay, Meredith. Oh shit. <laughs> all right. So anyway, I was like, Hey person, Meredith, whatever your name is, whatever your name is. Um, you know, if, if I went the rest of this day, you know, and I sold nothing, like, would you still like appreciate me? And she was like, yeah, of course. And I was like, okay, then who gives a fuck? And then I just kept knocking, you know, like, it doesn't matter. Um, I, I forgot. Oh, oh, right. Right. Cause you, you were asking about like buying atmosphere and acceptance. And, and it was just like, I don't know. I, I think it's like a Buddhist practice maybe, but, um, just being okay with like the worst possible scenario, you know, and Definitely like practice practice as well. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like just being okay with like the worst possible scenario and like the, like the worst, worst thing that can happen. I'm using air quotes when I say the way the word worse, cause we're the ones that define the word worse anyway. Mm-hmm. Like, but um, being okay with that. And then once you accept that truly, um, you know, it's time to rock and roll, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and this is, and this could actually be a good transition into the, you know, the alopecia, as I say. Yeah. yeah alopecia. Just, uh, once, uh, one time somebody told me everybody's been through the hardest thing that they have ever been through. Interesting. And I was like, oh, because you can't really quantify bad or hard or difficult or, or the worst. worst you know what i'm saying like mm. even if you think of someone like donald trump you know very divisive person born in, with golden spoon right but that guy has been through some hard shit yeah you know what i mean and so has joe biden and so have i and so has nick and so have you and so to even like have the audacity to say i've been through worse than you or i've been or you know to, to granted you can you can like you know there's people who definitely have had very, very difficult things in their life. So I'm not trying to belittle, belittle like the difficulties or hardships of other people's lives. But that's the point is for that person, that was the hardest thing. And so it's like, it's, it's so easy to just throw yourself a, a pity party without thinking of like what the other person's thinking. And at the end of the day, you don't give a shit what the hardest thing I've ever been through is on a regular basis. Like you might be like sympathize and, and oh man, that sounds hard, Andres, or that sounds hard, Alex. But, but, but when I'm like getting up at three in the morning to go pee or something, I'm not thinking, well, man, Alex has had it tough. You know what I'm saying? It just, you think of your things. And so it's so, it's so hard to like get outside of yourself, but it sounds like you were able to do that. You're able to go, who gives a shit? Like what happens to me difficulty wise and just go and enjoy people that I meet and the day that I have and, and the life that I'm living. It sounds like that's what you were thinking. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah who gives a shit yeah like who gives... well I, don't know. I mean honestly i mean 
if we're talking about alopecia specifically, like it, it was, uh, it was honestly pretty tough. And like, there was yeah, even was stuff. Well, how did you deal with that? Um, so for just to, to, to educate those who are, are not as educated with, with alopecia. So alopecia is a, uh, an autoimmune disease where your immune system essentially attacks your hair follicles. So, um, you know, that's something I remind myself of, like, it's not a big deal. Like there are people dealing with like worse, you know, like people have like actually, you know, whatever, like I'm, I'm safe, like I'm, I'm healthy, blah, blah, But anyway, um, growing up and, and especially these last, my first, like, you know, eight years in South, six years in South, seven years, um, you know, that how that showed up was more so in uh, bald spots, you know, like hair, like out of bald spots places, my hair usually covered it. Um, for people who had seen me at GRSs, you know, you, they might've noticed that like, my hairline in the back of my head is really, really high up, you know, like whatever, but it's like a spotlight effect. Like I, I notice it because it's on my body. People probably don't really give a shit, you know, but, um, but anyway, it was, uh, last year. So yeah, it was like the November, October of, of 2020 that, um, it, it started progressing right from bald spots, which is called alopecia areata to uh universal baldness which is alopecia universalis okay and i knew it was going to happen eventually my mom is actually entirely bald she wears a wig she kind of does like you know the eyebrow thing like no one knows and um I knew it was gonna happen eventually but it happened to her when she was like 36 or something so like i, I assumed it was gonna happen to me a little bit later and uh yeah sometime last year like my, my eyebrows started falling off my eyelashes started falling off like i was like ah shit yet i gotta find a girlfriend quick i don't know like <laughs> um but, uh, so, so um yeah so it but honestly dude it was it was hard it was tough and it was like yeah i, I can't i can't stress it enough you know and, and it's funny thinking about it to it now because it's not a big deal people don't give a shit but um i remember like an example of something that was hard i am naturally an introverted person i don't really love talking to a bunch of new people and stuff. Like it took me until after my second summer to talk to someone outside of Eagle Blitz and it was Nick, you know, like, it was like, and, and so one thing that sucked, for example, was, um, being at GRS and people not freaking recognizing me, you know, I, I've been in this, with this company for, you know, seven years and I like people like, aren't even really giving me like a nod, I guess. Cause like, they don't, or worse, they give me a nod and they don't know who I am. They give me like the polite nod. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, like people that I know really well, they're like, hey, what's up? And they keep walking. I'm like, ah, oh, shit, he doesn't know. Um, so that, like, that was really hard. And I don't know, I've, I've always struggled a lot with like self-image and self-love and self-acceptance anyway, you know? And um, I remember, um, you know, as I was kind of losing everything, my mom was presenting a lot of, um a lot of uh, what's the word um like solution solutions yeah, yeah solution there you go solutions like hey you could do this you could do this you could do this you could get like the tattooed eyebrows you could um you know get a wig if you want like i don't know she's giving me like she's being very supportive because like she knew it was very tough for her when she went through it, but like, i was just, yeah and um the way that i thought about it when i decided not to do anything is like hey man i have always like found something to be insecure about, you know, like, you know, it's, it's been my teeth before it's been, you know, the bald spots I do have, like, there's always going to be something. So let me get 
used to and ex- learn to accept like having nothing so that like yeah because if i could learn to accept that if i could learn to accept being like totally hairless totally hairless everywhere um hey you know like cool you know meanwhile if i were to get like some eyebrow thing or wig or whatever like that can be taken away from me you know but i nothing more can be taken away from having nothing so that that was the way that i i thought about it and so the summer was tough you know and and i and i remember like man i remember there's just like this one asshole of a dude like i like a sheriff shared a picture i took with him and he was just like oh are you the he actually straight up said he was like oh are you the kid with cancer that's going around yeah we're good i was like wow like like i'm offended as a like person just you know like this is totally a misunderstanding like you're just an asshole but um but yeah and uh but anyway like for the first four five six weeks of the of the summer i did not take facebook pictures with my customers and that was like a big thing. Like since losing my hair, I did not take pictures. I hated it. I hated taking pictures because, you know, like Neo in the Matrix, how in the Matrix, he's like his, his ideal self. That's why he has hair, but he's actually bald and perfect. That's, that's what it was like. Like I hated seeing pictures of me because like that wasn't me in my head, you oh, know? The dissonance. Yeah, the dissonance, right? Um, and uh, yeah, and, and so I think it was like a week four or five or six or something like that. I was like, all right, let's start taking pictures. We'll be good for business, you know? And, and it was funny too, because you know, those, those, those moms, they're like, oh no, I can't take pictures. I'm not ready. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not snazzed up. I would literally look them in the eye and say, I don't have eyebrows and you don't want to take a picture. Come on, let's go. Let's go. And, uh, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, uh, <laughs> But yeah, yeah, and, and like honestly, and when when they did gave me some pushback, I, I would I would kind of be very um, I, I would be very thankful for them. Like at the end of the picture, I'd say like, hey, honestly, I appreciate you taking the picture, just because like for me, I'm taking these pictures because I don't like taking pictures. Um, you know, after losing my hair and everything, so um, this is just kind of my way of just kind of normalizing it and getting used to it. So I, I appreciate you for posing with me. You know, That's awesome. Wow, man. When did it, when did it like, I mean, you were saying that bald spots started happening, but what, at what point did like it start really going, going and, and, and was that hard for you? Was it scary? Like you were saying it's tough, but like, what were the motions that you would walk yourself through to kind of like, you know, decide to take ownership like you did? Yeah. Um, so, so honestly, for the, for the most part, at least when I was like younger, um, it was never a big deal just because I had long ass hair. So like it just covered the bald spots, you know, it wasn't like no one, no one really knew it was, um, it was as I got older and as I started intentionally getting shorter haircuts and stuff that like became more obvious. Um, and it, it's funny too. Cause like, man, I, I don't even know how to express this. So like, Nick, could you turn like side profile for a second? Uh, more, more, a little bit more. Okay. So like, I would look at people. So, so Nick, take your finger. Oh no, this is. I want. I want to do this real quick. So, take your finger, uh, the back of your head, back of your neck, like right there. Right. Move it upwards, uh, five, three, three inches, four inches, a little bit more higher, 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 higher. Bam. Okay. Boom. That is where my hair like started growing out of my head, and so I like would look at like so yeah. So I would I would like I remember just being around 
And uh, <laughs> I'd be at like GRS or something. And I'd see someone like Nick whose hair starts growing out right there. And I'd look at them and I'm like that piece of shit. <laughs> like, yeah, um, okay. All right. yeah, yeah, yeah. I was just so envious, you know? Um, but uh, it was after the summer of 2019, um, you know, I, I hadn't, I still had like a good amount of hair and stuff, but I went to a wedding and um, I was like looking at pictures um, after the fact. And it was just like, like the bald spots were just getting pretty bad, you know, like it, it was like, there were pictures that just like looked like terrible to me at least just because you could see it, you know, there was no hiding it, you know, like, and, and uh, I think after I saw that, I, I, you know, went up to my roommate that I was living with at the time. And I was like, Hey, TJ, um, you want to cut my hair with me? Like you want to shave this shit off? And he's like, sure. You know, he's, yeah. yeah, why not? And um, yeah, we shaved my head and, um, and it, it was like at that time, my hair wasn't totally off. Right. So I had to constantly shave it. I didn't realize, and this is why I was asking you in the beginning of this call, Andre is like, like how often you shave it because like dude being bald takes work man like yeah shave that shit like every other day or something i don't know um but uh but yeah i think i think it was after uh 2019 the summer of 2019 that i started like just being intentional like hey, it was gonna happen eventually anyway um let me just kind of beat beat it you know like like now while it's like my choice you know um and then and then uh it started like falling out falling out like you know i'll, I'll kind of like go like this like just the wiping sweat off my forehead and like oh there's a few eyebrow hairs you know like uh, that, that and that happened like a year later wow yeah one second go on oh um sorry someone just walked in um, yeah, man, that, that's crazy. I, somebody one time told me that that the things that we're insecure about physically is the things that we notice in other people. So like when you were noticing, like when you're talking about noticing like Nate's yeah. hair, like for example, I have like a crooked tooth and I always am jealous of people with like straight teeth, but they would never notice it of me because they mm. know they have good teeth. So they don't look oh, I at notice. my teeth. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Fuck you and your hair. <laughs> um, but, but you know what I'm saying? Like it was, it was interesting that when people... Like one thing that people will comment that they like about me is I have like pretty clear skin. I've always had it. And and it's often I get that the most often with people who have like that have like maybe more acne more more that. acne in there. And so it's interesting because the things that you are insecure about are the things you look in other people that you appreciate. So it's funny how like sometimes it like you miss the signals, right? Someone will say, oh, I, I don't have very good blah. And you're like, I think it's great. For, I think, you know, yeah, I don't give a shit. You know, like. I don't <laughs> care if that's what you think. Because I don't, you know, like. Yeah, yeah. Just really don't look at, just don't look at my mouth, you know, like. But yeah, like. Yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. like, but they but, probably wouldn't even notice my teeth, you know. They're looking at, like, my ears because their ears stick out and mine don't. Actually, mine still do. But you know what I'm saying? Like, it's, yeah, well, it, it was. Okay, so, okay. Mm. So there's this one book, right? And uh, it's called, you, you've probably heard of it. It's called You Are a Badass, right? Mm -hmm. Right, by Jen Sincero. And I'll, I'll be honest, okay? And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a lot of people really not not like me, but I fucking hate this book. Like, I, I think that... I think, so I, I know exactly where you're going with this, and I appreciate you. So. Okay, so, so okay. So it's a short, short synopsis as to why I don't like this book. It, 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 it's a very, um, I don't know, I mean... It very much is a good example of 
a self-help book, you know, this worked for me and it could work for you. You know, like it's, it's not based as much in like science and there's not in there, there there's not a bibliography in the back there, you know, like, yeah. So, but, but anyway, there, there's one point, there's one chapter. And, and I, that's what I found with all of those self-help books. There's always like one chapter that's like fucking gold, you know? And, uh, and the one chapter that I, I think of when I, I read the, that book, you're a badass is, uh, the, the idea that people are mirrors, right? And it's just like, what upsets us and other people is, is just a reflection of our insecurities and in ourselves, you know? And like, like a, a very clear example is just, I, um, I get really like in my head and I don't like it when people like talk a lot, you know? I don't like when people talk a lot and like, they, they think very highly of their opinion and, and all that stuff. And but I also realized that the reason why I don't like that is because I'm very underconfident myself, you know, and I don't have that confidence that the things that I'm saying are right. And the things that I'm saying are good and worth listening to and worth following, you know? So when someone else thinks that their words and their thoughts are worth a shit, I'm like, oh, that piece of garbage, you know? But, um, but yeah, so anyway, you are a badass. There's a chapter, you know, you, people are mirrors, but yeah, that very much highlights your, your point, Andre is like, yeah, like I noticed Nick's hairline that actually goes down to like the midway section of his neck. And you notice, you know, people's teeth that are actually like straight. And then other people notice the freaking beautiful crystal clear skin you have, you beautiful person, Stop. you, you know? Stop. <laughs> um, but I don't know. I mean, realizing that too can be kind of freeing too, right? Like we, we don't have to, once you realize that and identify it, you don't have to carry it with you. You don't like, and, and also it's also nice too, because it means that especially when I'm specifically thinking of something about me, I know that no one else is thinking about it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Even right. if they are, so the fuck what, right? Yeah. Right. Because if they, if they give a shit, then I shouldn't give a shit so about them. Let me ask you this. Is there like a, on alopecia is there like a lot of research i mean you, your mom had it so it sounds like it's hereditary but is there anything that we know as organizations that like are, are researching this places that we can donate that kind of stuff like well, tell us about that that you've learned or do you know yeah so i um it's it's very very experimental there there's not a lot that's known about it and like i know um okay so the things that i know about alopecia which is not very much it usually skips a generation so it's very very uncommon that both my mom and i have it you know and looking at a glass half full hey that means my kid's probably not gonna have it right like hey um full. but <laughs> hair half full you know <laughs> yeah look at the hair half full um and uh so so there's that now there is, um, and I was, I, I kind of like followed up with a couple of leads on this, but I ended up going through with it. Um, there is a, an experimental study that's happening in like the, the, the Northeast New England area. I think it might be Maine or New Hampshire or something, but uh, there's a doctor who found that the, um, the medication for rheumatoid arthritis uh, actually like helps in uh, people who have alopecia, like grow their hair back. It's very experimental, um, you know? And so if you have alopecia universalis, like I do, and, and um, you reach out to this guy, like he'll, he'll probably, you know, like work with you and, and kind of like use you as a little guinea pig. But the, the, thing, the thing that's like not great about that is first of all, the medication for rheumatoid arthritis is very expensive mm -hmm. and you have to keep using it. Like if you stop taking it 
every day, your hair will fall back out. You know, it's not like, let me do it. It grows back. Let me stop taking it. You know, you have to keep doing it. Um, and then the second thing from my understanding is just, there, there are a lot of like negative potential, um, side effects to that, that medication for rheumatoid arthritis. Um, like, you know, potential kidney failure. And I'm like, eh, yeah, I'll just, I'll just, I'll just not have hair. That's okay. <laughs> well, you, you wear it well, my good friend. You know, you kind of look like Hans a little bit. I feel like. <laughs> I dead ass last GRS. I had a kid. I was sitting down up in uh, like on the balcony or whatever, just kind of like taking some notes and, and uh, I was like kind of doing some journaling. And uh, this kid comes up to me, slaps my back and goes, Hey Hans. And I look at him and he's like, <laughs> And he's like, you're not Hans. I'm like, nah, That's so he's, over, he's over there. That's so funny. You look, you look like Hans Schlegel for sure. Schlegel, yeah. Schlegel. We got to get you know, him here too. You know, it's funny too, because I remember um, before when I had like hair that was a little longer, people um, would often stop me and they'd be like, hey, you know, you look a little bit like, uh, you look a little bit like, like Clark Kent or like, you look, yeah. you look a little bit like, like, Tom Cruise or Ashton Kutcher, like very like flattering, endearing comparisons. And then now it's like you look like you look like Lex Luthor. <laughs> you like you like Mr. Clean, Mr. Clean. Yeah, clean. right. Right. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, I liked it before. <laughs> that's funny. That's funny. Gosh. Dude, that's wild. Wow. Well, it's been it's been great to to hear your story, man. Um, I'm thinking maybe it's about the time for that pony story. The pony story. The pony story. The pony story. Pony stories. If you have more than one that are you know memorable. Yeah. The, honestly, when I was thinking about the pony story, it, it was kind of actually tough to think of um, for a couple of reasons. But um, may I may I take a tinkle and then yeah, and then yeah. come back. We'll take okay. we'll take a chance to kind of promote some of the things coming up and explain why uh, you're not the Hurleys. Okay, sounds good. Yeah. Uh, while that's happening, a uh, couple of announcements. We had to, we had a last minute update on on the on, on Ella and Steve Hurley. He, they had to reschedule, so they will be coming up in future episodes. So we still have to wait for our first official uh, married couple married couple episode. Um, but yeah, we got some pretty. We're 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 actually booked uh, through December uh, as of or quite a, right about till December. So we have some pretty cool guests coming up. Um, looking forward for Kate Wright. Uh, that's coming up in October. We have a full got, lineup. Let's yeah, get this Nick, going Nick will run you through the lineup quickly. And uh, but just uh, just once again, reminder: in October, we're doing an all ladies uh, uh, guest list for in honor of uh, Breast Cancer Awareness Month. And let's so, call it Breast Cancer Support. Breast Cancer people support. are aware of it, um, and we want to support, yeah. right? We, yeah, we're supporting. We're going to be doing a fundraiser for that, and it's going to be going towards uh, men who wear pink. That's the name of the charity. Um, my roommate John is uh, fundraising for them, and uh, as as we mentioned in a previous episode, that um, a lot of the cost of the fight against breast cancer is not just in the research, uh, which I think fifteen percent of their funds go to, but um, something like fifty or percent or more um, of their actual like support goes towards um, uh, plane flights and uh, housing families in hotels uh, when their family member who's battling breast cancer has to go to an out-of-state hospital or something like that. Um, and so 
Um, to finish out the month of September, we've got Barry Hart this upcoming Sunday. Um, that's, That'd be wild. Yeah, man. that's a I friend. Of, we, we don't know this guy. Uh, our new assistant secretary, Naomi. Producer. Um, she's not an assistant. Producer, producer. yeah. She's yeah. the one helping us produce some good stuff. Um, she met him this summer in Indiana. Um, and then the following Thursday was actually when Alex was supposed to be scheduled. We might try and book the Hurleyhees then. Well, no, Andrew Williamson was kind of coming. Andrew Williamson? Sorry, cool. just booked that like an hour. There we go. Started. Perfect. So Andrew Williamson will be on next Thursday. Yep. And then after that, uh, starting the month of October's episodes, we've got Courtney Buck, then Weston McKinley, and then... Um, Nicole Wingard. Nicole Wingard. Um, then we got Kate Wright. That's going to be a real fun episode. Oof. Um, yeah, yeah. She's got... She's Huge. got Quite, quite the uh, the presence in the southwestern world. Um, we got Mary Ellen Powers. Throwback to episode one. Her brother Jeffrey was our first episode. Um, then we got Whitney Armstrong, um, Heather Dutton. It's it's going to be a real fun ep- uh, series of episodes. Um, again, in honor of breast cancer support. Yeah. Um, and so, then to close yeah. up the month of October, we're actually going to have Naomi, our producer, on the show, and we're actually going to be sharing stories from Alex's book um, in, in, on there as well. So uh, <laughs> we've gotten to share this, uh, and so it's going to be exciting. And then uh, from there, November is looking fantastic. We'll we'll update you guys on November, but uh, yeah, stay tuned. If you haven't yet, we're, we're obviously we're making the switch to YouTube. So make sure you sw- uh, subscribe on here. Most of our live videos are going to be coming from here. We're still going to be using our Facebook for updates and for announcements and stuff like that. But for going live, it's just easier for us to track things on YouTube. And that's where we're moving to. So just make sure you're subscribing on there. Follow us on Instagram, um, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. It's something you can totally do. That would help us a ton. And of course, uh, you know we, we would love support. If you guys want to find out how you can support us and help us grow, we're really Monetarily? Taking- yeah, or otherwise, there's there's ways that we can do this. Um, you know, merch is on its, on the horizon. Yes. Uh, we have a lot of really cool, exciting things that are happening with this. Let us plug your awesome business. We really want to thank you for the support, just because this has been growing organically, and it's kind of nice. So it's we fun. really appreciate it. We, we're having a ton of fun, and hope you guys enjoy listening. Be- and, and speaking of fun, then we, we can now jump into this uh, the pony story for Alex Soda. So take it away, my guy. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I forget. <laughs> Almost forgot about the two three-legged dogs book. <laughs> um, yeah, so you know, through through my years, um, in my many years, I I don't know. I haven't had like many crazy, crazy um, uh, stories where like, oh, this person like bought like a bunch of shit. You know, like honestly, my biggest package before this summer. Um, I don't know. It was probably like literally like 50 units. Like it, it was, it was never like a, a super, I was never like a big, super like crazy stuff, but, um, there, there's two, uh, stories that I guess I want to share. Um, okay. So the first up, um, the, uh, sorry, the first story is from my third summer in Pennsylvania and, uh, and yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was running up to a house, right? I was running up to a house in Pennsylvania and this um and as i'm running to this house i see this like old guy very like notably old guy sitting on the porch right and i just pretend to not see him you know as we do and i'm like and then he goes you know can i help you you know and he says like can i help you 
And I, you know, I'm like, oh, oh my God. Oh shoot. I didn't see you there. Sorry for sneaking up on you. Herp a derp. Let me go through this approach and get the heck out of here. And, um, so he is like, can I help you? And I'm like, yeah. yeah. Um, I, and I instantly just start going towards the old person. Like, let me get the heck out of here approach. You know, like it, I'm not even trying like, oh, do you have grandkids. I'm just like, let me get the, um, so I'm like, no, I'm sorry. I'm in the wrong place. Uh, my name's Alex college student selling educational resources. I take years are already graduated. Ha ha ha. And he goes, and he just like blinks and he shakes his head. He's like, like, what do you need? And I'm like, no, nothing. I'm just in the wrong place. Not a big deal. Like, I'm so sorry. And he, and he looks at me and he goes, how can I help you? And I'm like, dude, I don't know how to get out of here faster. And then he goes, sit down. And I'm like, all right. And I, and I go, <laughs> and, I go and, I, and I sit down and, I, and then he, and he, and he, he sits back and he crosses his legs like this, right? He crosses his legs and he's like, okay, how, what can I do for you? And then I'm like, no, you know, I'm in the wrong spot or derp, I don't want to do it. And he's like, and he goes, okay, you're selling something, right? And then, um, you're selling something, right? And then I'm like, yeah, yeah, but it's educational resources. You don't need any of it. Or am I giving him like all these reasons why like this isn't for him? I got to get out. And he's like, well, whatever you're selling, like I can afford it. Like, what do you need? And I'm like, dude, it's like educational resources, man. I'm just trying to find the next family. You know, if I can skip these people. And he's like, what can I do to help? And he keeps repeating the same like three phrases over and over again. And I'm just trying to get out of there. And then he, uh, he's like, excuse me. Cause as his phone starts going off, he goes, excuse me. And he pulls out his phone and, um, puts it open and puts it in his ear. He goes, hello. Yes. Yes. This is him. Starving kids in Africa, $100. Let me grab my card. <laughs> and then in front of me, he starts reading off his card number and, uh, and uh, he's like, okay, all right, okay, thank you. Will I get a receipt? No? Okay, all right, bye. <laughs> and then he puts the phone down and he, and he looks at me again and he goes, how can I help you? And then I look at him and I go, it's 550. <laughs> 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 I look at him and I go, it's 550. And he goes, okay, do you take a check? And I'm like, yeah. And then he's like, okay. And then he just goes and he writes me a check for five fifty, and it, it was like that, back then that was the price for like a, a five book or something. And and um, and then he's like, "Do I do I get this stuff today?" And I'm like, "Yeah." And I go to my car and I grab the the stack. And then as I'm walking into the stack, he looks at it and goes, "That's too much. Just leave me with two. And I'm like, uh, "Okay, <laughs> leave it." And then I go, but. <laughs> And like, I don't know, I, all I was thinking as I, as I was driving away, it's like, whenever an old fucker says, can I help you? Is that all I got to do? That's funny. <laughs> <laughs> like, is that what I, is that what I'm, is that like this ticket to selling a bunch of shit? You just, when people say, what do you need? You say 550 and then, you know. <laughs> um, yes, that's actually the trick. That is a trick. Um, okay, so <laughs> that was the first thought that I came came from. Just because, like, I think that was like one of my my first cases where, like, this is just like weird. Like, I, I have to share this because it's weird, you know. Um, my my next one's a little less weird. 
um, but I, I still remember it. So this was actually this past summer. And um, basically one, one of my, my bigger um, mantras, lessons, takeaways, I don't know what you want to call it from, from this past summer was this idea of um, picking up pennies, right? And um, that's cute. Yeah, it's super cute. Super, super cute. So there was this, uh, there's this guy who spoke at GRS and I, I forgot um, what his name was, but he, um, he works very intently with like inner city kids. And um, he talks about this concept of picking up pennies, right? Like whenever he sees a penny on the floor, he picks it up, right? No matter what. And um, the premise is just, you know, pennies, like they're not worth much, you know, it doesn't matter. Like, it's not like a whole big thing, but he picks it up anywhere because like, he doesn't write anything off. Right. Mm-hmm. Cause like that for him, that's what his, his job is right. With working with inner city kids. Like it's like, they're, they're like, they're like pennies. They're people, they're thing or they're people that people usually just walk past and don't give a second thought, but like he gives them a chance. And like, that's the idea, you know? Mm-hmm. And, um, and, you know, it, it's just interesting, too, because, like, I, I think one of the things I realized this this summer when it comes to, like, ponies, you know, and, and the reason why, like, this isn't, this isn't like a pony, quote unquote, story when it comes to production. And I say that because, um, you know, when you're selling more than 2,500 units, like when you have big goals, right, no one customer, no one package is going to make your week. No one customer, one package is going to make your day. You know, like they could buy 70 units, it's still like, quote unquote, not enough, you know, like whatever. So, but anyway, um, what I embraced was this like idea of thinking pennies because I, uh, picking up pennies because I realized just like every day there was this one house I didn't want to go back to or like a callback I didn't want to go back to just because like, I don't know, like they were giving me financial stuff during the callback or they were, um, I could just tell like it was a smaller house or whatever, like but I, there was this like two week period where I just realized every single day there was a penny. There was a house I didn't think would come of there. I didn't want to go back to because of X, Y, and Z, you know, and, um, and I would go to, and they were a penny they bought, you know, um, and I was able to help them. But anyway, I think about this one family. So, um, her name is Diana Brooks. And I remember, um, probably a week or two before I actually ended up talking with her and knocking on her door, I drove past their house and there was no car. uh, There's no like sign of life outside the house. But I noticed that on the porch, there was a, um, there was an an older black gentleman in a wheelchair. And I, I mentioned that he's black, not because it's like super important that he's black, but I mentioned it because in this area that I was working in, there were not a lot of black people. So the, so if there was a black person, they were usually like just statistically impoverished, like below the poverty line. Like they were definitely, 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 um, you know, persecuted. Like they, they were, yeah, like very much so. So, but anyway, I, I drove past them cause I was like, all right, well, you know, someone had given me pre-approach of that house as kids, but like, I didn't see a car and I just saw that one guy. So I was like thinking in my head, like, all right, grandpa, maybe he's watching kids. I don't know. Right. So anyway, um, two weeks later, I am driving past the house and, um, and I, again, I don't see a car, you know, I'm just like, what the hell? But like people keep telling me they have kids. So, you know, I, I go and, and I, I knock on the door, you know, and mom answers and um, she has like two kids who are uh, mixed and 
Um, they're like homeschooled because the bullying is really bad, you know, which honestly like feels kind of shitty too. Cause like I've met a lot, like I, I did really well this summer. So, which means I met a lot of really cool people, but even the coolest people might be like really racist and you don't really know about it, you know? Um, and, and so anyway, like they, their kids were being bullied and stuff. So their kids were homeschooled. They didn't have a car. That's why I never saw one. It wasn't because they weren't home. It's because they didn't have a car. Mm. Um, and so I just remember, uh, I was sitting down with his mom and she was like, I just want to be upfront with you. Don't have money. And I was like, yeah, doesn't matter, whatever. And, um, like, and that, that was my thing too. Like this summer, just like I have all the time in the world. I don't fucking care if you, whatever the case may be, I'm just going to give you as much time as you need. So, um, but anyway, I asked her like, you know, the part in the intro where you ask, why is education important to you? And she says like, very like, psh, um, you know, because I have two mixed kids that are bullied and, you know, I'm, I'm on welfare. I don't have a car. People assume I can't take care of myself. People assume I can't take care of my kids. And I know the only way out of this situation is through an education, you know? And, um, and so I'm like, hey, you know, let's, let's get them involved in, and the, she was like, well, look, my, my sons have autism, like, you know, so they might be a little bit more standoffish. And I was like, oh, it's not a big deal. You know, like, you know, I'll, yeah, let's give it a try, you know, and, and the kids come out and I connected them and they're really cool. Um, but anyway, so I, uh, I end up like closing them on a, like a five book set, you know, basically everything besides honors when it comes to black books. And um, she goes, okay. And it's like, and it's, and it's how much, okay. Um, can you wait, like, can I like take a few minutes, like just to go inside and, and figure stuff out like financially. And then I'm like, sure, you know, yeah, whatever. Um, and, and she's like, is it okay? Like if I take like 10, maybe 15 minutes to figure things out. And again, like, again, like in the Southwestern creed, 20 minutes, yes, it's 20 minutes. No, that's a big no, no. But in my head, my whole big thing this summer is like, I got all the time in the world. I don't give a fuck. So I was like, yeah, take all the time you need. I'll be out here. You know, and so I'm just kind of talking with their sons and stuff. And um, and like 15 minutes later, she comes out with uh, two different cards, right? And she goes, um, okay, so I want you to do, you know, I want you to do X amount on this card on this date. And then I want you to do X amount on this card on this date. And then I want you to do X amount on that first card on this date. And then I need you to take out the rest of it on that second card, but on this date. <laughs> and, um, and I'm like, all right, you know, like, cool, you know, and, and I do it. Um, you know, the payments go through. Um, I deliver their books. When I deliver, crazily enough, she tacks on an FBL, um, a cookbook, Explore and Learns in cash. Like she pulls out, like I said, she's just like, I just want my kids to know that I did everything I could for them, you know? And, um, and I don't know, I guess like, I, I have a very, I don't know. I, I have a very different philosophy when it comes to like giving books or leaving books. Um, because the way that I kind of viewed it is at least in this instance, it meant a lot to this mom that she was able to do this for her kids. Right. Like everyone thinks she's like a, a government leech anyway, 
you know, like everyone's judging her and her family for X, Y, and Z anyway. Um, and it's, it's almost like, I felt like for her, it was important to figure out a way to get these books for her kids on her own, you know? Um, so yeah, you know, and, and I don't know, like, when it comes to like this past summer, like those are the kinds of stories that like make me feel like good, warm and fuzzy. And I, and I have stories like that, that where they like, you know, bought my sets, you know, and I have stories like that where they bought bigger things and it, it, it's all the same to me. It doesn't really make a difference. Um, but I know that she is the one that stands out to me the most um, just from like how she kind of like talked about her feelings, her situation, her family how she feels in the community and things like that, you know? That's powerful, man. Thank you for not just sharing that, but thank you for being the kind of person to do that. Um, it's been so awesome to, to get to hear your journey, um, to hear, to see your growth, man. I haven't known you for so long. And um, I'm just so, we're, we're, we're so lucky to have had you on this episode. I'm lucky to have, have you in my life, man. And uh, yeah. <laughs> give a quick smile right but uh yeah dude we uh we've really loved having you on this episode um we'll definitely have to have you back on for another episode yeah. uh i want to know because yeah. because we didn't get a chance to chat talk about like what your plans are you're done selling books so you know we, we gotta when you when you figure out where, where direction you're headed i want to come back and have you talk about that as well because i'm excited Absolutely. i know you're gonna murder whatever you're going towards so like a cold-blooded killer or something. Yeah. My killers, <laughs> my um, warriors. Yeah, I. Uh, yeah, no, I'm excited for whatever comes next. Um, you know, this guy's on the job market. I am on the job market, so yeah. If you if you have if you have something, reach out to me. But um, yeah, I'm excited to see what comes next. And yeah, there's a lot of stuff we didn't talk about too. And I just like you guys. I'm actually really excited like to be here in the first place, man. Because yeah. I've been listening to you, and it's just funny because like I uh, I was thinking like. I think the first episode I listened to is Pat Roach and Pat Roach was talking about how like, man, I've been watching you guys. And like, that's how, like, I'm excited to be here. That's kind of how I felt, you know? So, um, no, I, I appreciate, uh, you guys for having me too. It's been, it's hey, been real. Thanks for being flexible with like the last minute change. I know it was like hard to communicate everything cause we were all like doing stuff today, but it made, we made it happen. We're, we're in like a, I mean, I'm not home and we're not at like the place where you normally do this stuff. And so it's kind of nice that we're, we're able to, uh, um, you know, do this and, and, and get on. So, yeah, thank you so much for doing this. Uh, we'll, we'll go ahead and wrap this one up. Uh, uh, and, and honestly, like if you uh, if you want to jump back on at some point and we and we have like a, an opening, luckily we're being booked, but we'd love to have you on for sure again as, as, as you develop and change into your next thing. So um, with that, everybody. Um, my name is Andres Gamboa. I'm the creator and co-host of Ponytails Podcast. Nick was with me uh, today. Thank you for being on, Alex Soto. And uh, dude, love to see you while I'm here in Florida. Yeah. All right. That's <laughs> been episode 51. See Peace. you, everybody. Peace. See ya.